Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Today on the Ether, a Chepe space. 12 chains to play with. Or saving the internet. Let's take a listen. Aha, there you are. How are the travels to the east, the far east? Hello? I hear some funny music back there. It's, where are you exactly? Like a little bar in a little hovel somewhere? What's going on? I I don't want to talk about where I am. That's confidential. I'll talk about ideas, as Eleanor Roosevelt said. <laughs> We're going to quote Roosevelt. People now. who talk about people are people who talk about people are inferior. People who talk about events are midwits, and people who talk about ideas are are beautiful people. Okay. Uh, oh, hey, G. What's up, man? What's up, dude? All right. So. Um... Where is everybody today? By the way, who is this? Who is the Bernardo person? He always joins our spaces. Mm, without, I don't know. He's there instantly, but he never speaks. Yeah, come up and hang out. We'll, we'll discover. Is it a Suzu alt? I'm not sure. Speaking of ideas, I need ideas on how to torture the Lunk community with the Mr. Diamond Hands Luna Sapien that I minted. <laughs> What's a Mr. Diamond? You're about... I think you're about six months too late. God damn it. What's a, what's a Mr. Diamond Hand Luna Sapien? That sounds really complicated, like a new language is being developed over there. There was a, an NFT collection that Jerry dropped recently called Luna Sapiens. And one of the unique NFTs that everybody was chasing in there, uh, <laughs> I happened to get lucky in Mint. <laughs> I'm probably the last person they want with this NFT. but So I'm trying to ransom it for money now. It's, uh, it's fun. Huh. That all sounds very tiring. Right. Let's let's uh, scope out this new chain, Sefi. Yeah. So, okay. Mm. Did you receive my messages as well? Yeah. Briefly. Uh, hold on. Let me make sure I've read them all here. <laughs> I shouldn't miss anything. Um. Yeah. 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 Hold up for a second. I. Okay. Yeah, I I I had the, I was thinking the same basic ideas as you. So I think we're on the same page. It's like how do we cultivate, mm, like somehow this like power of sp- like native spiritualism and native religiosity of people. That's one thing that hasn't really been done particularly deeply in the crypto space. I don't think. Um, and uh, and then a second thing, it was like. You know, how do you make uh, a series of coins that are investable in that, like, anybody would want to tweet about them, right? That's another thing. It's like, nobody should feel like, oh, yeah, I don't want to, like, you know, shill this thing because it's bad in some way. That's the second kind of criteria in a sense. Um, 
what is the project that would lead someone to get a tattoo on their skin about that project, right? Like imagine, um, you know, like brands and things where, you know, there's the, there's a brand that like a, a person would put on their t-shirt and there's a different brand that people would tattoo on their skin for life. Right. And there are those kinds of things. Um, <clears throat> so like, how do you get that? Um, how, how do you get that feel to it? Um, hold on, my box here. And then some other criteria I was thinking of is, okay, like mm, some of the problems that we face in the general crypto space is like um, who funds LPs and how do you make that bullshit work? Uh, you know, there's all these different issues with that. And then how do you um, generate sort of like a volume and a benefit to the user or the holder? And if we take what we know about grid bots and such, and you take all these like IBC advancements that are coming, technically speaking, like we should be able to get these liquid staked assets and basically steal money from the rest of the cosmos in a sense and um, bought the shit out of them and then like have that pour into, pour into the value of a, a coin that we create. So like, the number one buyer and consumer would be the bots, essentially. And so there's always like this like buying pressure in my head of, uh, you know, like and, and generating value in the background so that the owner of said coin is basically the owner of a grid bot that's running all the time. But they don't have to bother with all the stupid, you know, tax implications and other nonsense. They just simply just own it. And there's a like it, maybe it's a, a deflationary mechanism in that or maybe it's like yeah i think that's probably the best way is just all of the profit from the thing just burns up the coin as a function of the protocol that might be the simplest way to return value and um uh, anyway that could be an interesting play here um i don't know what, what are your thoughts so far like between tokenomics and the other elements and then of course like the multi-chain or the multi-coin thesis like that we've talked about before, maybe it's like a triumvirate of chains or something like that with, you know, like a destroyer creator. Um, like it's like a, like a Hinduism vibe with like a, you know, like three gods type of concept, you know, something like that. So it's sufficiently simple enough, but not um, so complicated that people don't understand it. You know, like we're, we're, it's, and you can put interesting properties for each of these like chains. What do you think? What do you what do you think? I'm at the urinal, by the way. Okay. Good what do you think it is that what do you think it is that overall you want to achieve with the blockchain? Like what would be the, the top three goals or uh, even the top two goals? I think the most obvious uh like well, from a just a monetary policy perspective, I think what you want to have is a really, really clean store of value proposition. Right. That would be the most obvious thing to solve for. Um, the second would be kind of this um, this sort of like team sport concept, essentially, where you are like monetizing attention and people's native tribalism. So I think that's part of it. Um, but, you know, because if you look at other store of value concept chains, I think people have tried this sort of shit like Neta on Juno and stuff like that, but there's not enough, 
I don't know. There's not enough oomph to the thing. Like nobody cares about it. Like it's funny because like if you have like a VC chain, right, and you have like let's say a distribution of tokens where I don't know a thousand people or some insiders have some good sense of what's going on there, and those thousand people stand to gain, they're likely to be the shillers of your project, right? So it's like either the VCs advertise a shill or the insiders shill. Somebody has to shill the thing. And you have to have alignment where like someone can really, really get rich quite quickly or something like that in order to like make it people's worth people's time. So, and then if you don't do that, if you do these so-called fair launches and you kind of create things that um, you, you limit the number of insiders and all of this, you still end up having insiders to some degree because like on the open market, anybody can buy, right? Like any wallet can buy any coin, pump it. So insiders sort of get it get benefit either way whether it's explicit or like whether it's done accidentally um and also like when you do these fair launch type things and you don't have enough insiders what ends up happening is is like nobody cares about the chain at all because you know, like it's like you, you'd have to have a substantial investment in it to make it go up afterwards so it's like i don't know I, i'm not sure what the right answer there is for like like how do you create that initial group exactly um and how do you um you know create a con initial condition where um most of the people in the initial group um essentially benefit over the long range view like you'd almost have to design it to where it's like you expect nobody to get anything for like 5 years or whatever that like you have to have a long term strategy so that the people that are really serious are willing to keep their money there. And the people that are just messing around, you want to track them too somehow. So I don't know, maybe that's where like this multi-chain, like multi-coin thing comes in where it's like you have something that's there for just trading and screwing around. You have another thing that's a bit more of a store of value. And then you have another chain that's more of a, like maybe introduce randomness into the system, right? Like today, you know, like, you know, the, the 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 god of the chain decided that like we're going to cut yield by like 90% and um you know that's going to affect the chain for the next 2 months or something and you can like play the game accordingly um but you want to encourage lots of movement between different coins all of which are controlled by the same system right like so how do you create all of the trading experience and fun all in the same system where people don't have to leave and they don't have to have a bunch of different wallets and other bullshit right like the fun has to be right in one place and um, has to have that sort of compelling effect where everyone wants to log in daily and play. There has to be something to do every day. I'm not sure what that is exactly, but like it should be something just like on Twitter, you know, you log in every day and you play on it for a little while. Something similar where you want to get on there and be rewarded for being on it. I don't like, so the gamification of that and all is part of it. So I think these are the big things. Um, I think these are the big components to think about. I'm curious to know, Sefi, what, what your thoughts are, because I, I think engagement is definitely something that, you know, you, you're a developer, you have a project, you want to keep engagement high. I've seen different projects uh, take different routes on keeping their community engaged. Um, I... I don't think that, you know, let's, let's say, um, let's say a Dex having like uh, poker night and game night once a week or, you know, whatever 
for a more technical uh, protocol nature. I don't think that that's very fitting and on brand. But for something like LionDAO, um, where it's a little bit more fun and exploratory and it's kind of, you know, happening as it goes, um, I think that, you know, the, the poker event that uh, Terra Poker hosted was a huge success. Um, utilizing them for events moving forward, I think that's, that's going to be or it's going to play a huge part in keeping people engaged. Uh, I guess it just kind of depends on what style of community it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think uh, the, the games that I was thinking of is not so much like some sort of traditional games or gambling. It's more like like some parameter change on on the chain makes it f more viable for you to move your assets around. So like if we have three coins, for example, and um, the yield changes, or maybe, you know, the stars are in alignment in some fashion, like, like literally stars somewhere <laughs> are in alignment. And um, you, you have like, uh, something's going to happen to that coin on that day. Like, um, maybe, you know, some of your coins get destroyed or something like that. Okay. So therefore, you're encouraged to move your coins to do something else. Like, so the the transactions themselves are part of the uh, game, okay. and yeah, right. you're incentivized to play by moving between different coins, and um, that creates a lot of the volume and the excitement, and then it creates the ability to sort of like create events around that that are not events as in like game night, events as in like, you know, the the, the hammer of God is coming down next week, and you have to do something about yeah. it, you know, like this type of thing. It could be it could be interesting. Um, so that like, and then some of that could be programmatic and whatever, like where. You know, maybe, you know, there's a chain that, you know, is based on the weather somehow or the temperature of the sun or some shit, like some something you can pull off an Oracle and then, you know, like it affects the it affects the inflation rate or something weird. And then you can kind of play around with those um, those elements. So I, I think it helps to do this on a chain that has um, and that Oracles are already paid for. So probably like Luna or something that makes the most sense. Like, Bruce, do you know too much about how the Oracles are paid for? Like, um, as far as, uh, like, I, I think, I think on Terra, like access to Oracle service is already paid for by Terra to some extent. And I don't know what that is on other chains, or if you were to start your own Cosmos chain or something like that, what that would actually look like. Right. Cause you can, you can spin up a chain pretty easily, but paying for Oracle service is a whole nother, you know, ball of wax. It's, it can be, it can get quite expensive. <laughs> Yeah, not sure. I think uh, who did it on Terra? Ban protocol and others. I don't know much yeah, about that stuff. Initially, it was banned, and then you know they were moving to uh, Chainlink or whatever. But if you're going to use information off chain to do interesting stuff with it, then now you're paying for various Oracle services, and that can get pricey pretty quickly. Um, a lot of those Oracle hits are not based on the transaction value necessarily. I don't think. So like, you know, if it's a $100 transaction versus a $1 little mini transactions might cost you the same. I don't know what the actual business model is for those oracles. Point is like, you, if you're going to do things where chains react to like world news or world information somehow, uh, which is kind of what my theory was, like, then that would be something that um, 
like you, you would need to pay you need to have oracle service either paid for somehow or you have to like we'd have to pay for it ourselves which gets really pricey quite quickly um and then that becomes a leech on the protocol itself because like if you start your own chain you have the cost of the validators and you have the cost of the um, oracle services both which of which get quite expensive right endpoints and everything else so like i think maybe i don't know how close feather is we could ask around and find out but like it seems like feather chains might be the way to go assuming that tfl and luna and everything like there's not some fuckery in the background going and everything's going fine <laughs> like i don't know what the uh i don't know what the latest politics are and where like have you been paying attention bruce as far as like what tfl is saying about you know the basic terra blockchain and how effective it is going to be moving forward because who the hell wants to build a bunch no. of kids and then like you know it doesn't get supported properly right yeah not sure Terra, Terra for me died the moment Do Kwon got arrested. Yeah, I, well, I'm not worried about like Terra. I'm saying if we're going to do feather chains, um, you know, that may be the simplest way, the simplest approach to get something going. Not because I'm so worried about, but the other thing is because the Oracle services are free there, right? That's, yeah. that's a really expensive thing to have mm. to implement. You know, that's because like a lot of early VC money or whatever, you know, Terra, TFL's wealth, whatever that is left of it, um, really you know, pays for some of that. But I, I think it's going to be a lot more fun to create something that utilizes oracles as opposed to, like, I think even now Juno doesn't have oracle services. So that's why it's like, it's hard to build anything on it. It's hard to, like, what are you going to make on there? Another DEX, right? Like, what, what, what are you going to do? You, you can't really, like create interesting futures contracts and other things if you don't have any um basically the permutations of stuff you can build are limited without oracle services so that's a key and and that's an expensive ask um and you know for something basic even like band or something cheap might be all you need maybe i don't know like um but uh yeah like what, what you'd want to do like in my thought is like okay if you look at where ibc is going um let's say you had like a grid bot system of some kind you don't need very fast transactions for that necessarily because you can uh, use basically um, IBC assets. And yeah, the transaction time is slow, but in the background, we don't care. Like it's just the bots are just doing this in the background. It's sort of like what White Whale does to some extent. Um, and you know, the difference is, is this would be like the, the expertise necessary to build what I'm talking about if you really get into it is probably what the White Whale team has been doing to some extent. Um, they're creating their own chain, of course. Um, but something along those lines where you are not just ARB, but like Gridbot, the various um, different, uh, you know, IBC based products. And every time there's some change between one and the other, this will trade it. And then of course it will take whatever profitability and convert that to let's say USDC some, or something. And then it takes that and buys our coin with it. So basically the, the system is automatically building um, a treasury and that treasury is building the LP as well. So like you're basically having a grid bot being the primary user and consumer of the entire chain. And then how do you get end users the benefit of that bot running? And like, why would someone want to buy this coin? So you shouldn't have like, <laughs> basically I am buying a robot coin is all you have to say. And then all the other shenanigans and stories we tell around it 
obviously you, we could have a lot of fun with it, right? Like the lore or whatever for the whole the storytelling can be really, you know, you can wrap it in whatever story you want at that point. But I think if it's like this robot um, that's sort of buying and selling Cosmo shit, um, I think that that's where the money comes from, right? That's where the profitability from that is how you like get, get benefits to the final coin. And that's where the money's coming from. So you don't have to rely upon then like outside venture capital and a bunch of other users and everything else. It just builds its own momentum. And the more money goes into the thing and the higher the value of the token is, the more you can then buy other assets to do more of this nonstop and you automate the entire thing. So there's not like a lot of like people don't have to worry about insider trading and all this other bullshit. It's just it's to the entire thing just runs and that's it. And you don't mess with the thing too much. Right. And if you add new new components to it, like let's say a second bot, you know how you go on like this gap or whatever and you start another bot. What we would do is we just add new bots, but we wouldn't take we wouldn't take away too many existing ones or maybe you would have them run for a period of time. Um, and then, you know, you'd reassess at that point. But the point is, like, you, you make most of that automated so that um, people can just see what's going on. And all of that could be like, and I don't think we should do a whole lot of voting and other bullshit. Like, no one knows what they're doing anyway. Like, the whole point is, like, the only reason anyone would want to buy, buy a coin like this is because they think that the bot infrastructure is managed by people that, like, have some philosophy about this. And they, we sure as fuck don't want a bunch of voting and whatever. Get out. Like, you know, it'll just be a dictatorship chain from that perspective. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of my thinking of that. And then, like, we just, um, you know, and then we can introduce, like, randomness and some of those other things to make it fun. Um, but, like, the core structure of it, the core, like, you know, machinery behind it needs to be automated, in my view. Everything else is bullshit. Like, there's too many, like, complaints people are going to have about, governance issues and rug pulls and god knows what else if you create all these stupid proposals and then people argue on the internet about them and those are retarded you know arguments and they go nowhere and they just create negative fud for the thing um like <laughs> anything that takes away from the the memification and the general brand effect of the chain is like just nonsense for the most part right so like eliminating all of that is a good idea there's there's definitely a time and a place for it but with what you're talking about i think too many cooks in the kitchen would be counter counterproductive i agree there yeah and the the reason the reason why you go for like a multi-coin chain i'm sort of a multi-coin system is let's say you wanted to add another asset in the system with a slightly different monetary policy like let's say it had some deflationary mechanism or an inflationary mechanism or whatever, right? Like a burn mechanism, you name it. You have one of each of those coins in your system. So therefore, like whichever price exposure you feel like having, you have it all right there. And they all sort of counter trade each other to some extent. So volume is, you know, volume is created like sort of artificially in a sense. And a lot of the trading activity, like the, and the entry and exit liquidity is largely the bots anyway. And so therefore, like, you don't have to worry that when you go to make an execution, there's nothing, there's no actual traders going on. The thing is trading nonstop, right? That's the, that's the difference here. So there's not a lot of reasons to have a lot of voting for shit is because all the different permutations of chains you would want are right there already. All, the way you vote is by picking which coin you want. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, the, like, let's say you have three different versions of like, I don't know, like iPod or something. Um, you know, the 200 gigabyte one, the 300 gigabyte one, the 400 gigabyte one, or whatever it is, right? 
And, you, you know, like the market decides, well, which of these is the, the best one and the other ones people get bored with. And that's the end of it. Right. Like, so that's how you uh, vote is by just buying the coin that you think is reflects your um, that reflects your uh, your values or whatever. Right. Like, that's the way to think about it. So how does you know, I, I get that this is big picture conversation and, and there's not a set in stone plan for this but if if you were to do something with a a two or three actually a three coin system where would like does each token have its own liquidity backing is there something that's consolidated that's accessible in some way to each coin um i don't know would would just like to hear more about uh, I guess the the tokenomics about where the liquidity would lie. Um, yeah, like well, for starters, the 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 bots actually generate the the income for the chain. So grid bots, what they'll do is they'll say, for example, um, you know, like let's say they're trading ST Atom and ST Osmo or some shit, right? Like whatever, some stride tokens or something. And you like every time Atom goes up a little bit it will sell that and then buy the other token and just kind of go back and forth like that. And so you have this constant grid yield and that grid yield is then used to fund, let's say the LP pools of the various, you know, coins or something like that. So yeah, you have, we'd have to work out how this little DEX would work, but it basically would have its own DEX. That's the only way this would work. Um, the bot can then like dump money into the DEX uh, and therefore like the profitability is the trades themselves. And this will rise as time goes on. And let's say I bought this, the coin itself, then the coin itself has, um, like you'll have coins within the system you can buy directly. And we could actually even have like just a, a faucet where for a long time, the coin has no value. If you get a dollar, you get 10 of these coin or whatever. And you, know, you, you basically fund it that way for a period of time, either via NFT or some other strategy. Anyway, like, but you have to bring in cash flow at some point, right? But uh, you don't need much because the bots start producing that cash flow themselves, right? That's that's the magic here. So I wonder if maybe one of the tokens um, didn't necessarily have like uh, a monetary value behind it. It was something that was earned. And then speaking in terms of potential gamification of the ecosystem, um, you could create a dynamic where you you have one of these tokens that you earn, and then you use the tokens to create an NFT that basically um, it it has a, a yield pool of you know let's say five to or let's call it two to five percent, and instead of like a a size thing, you could re-roll the NFT to get within that range and obviously you want to roll something to the five percent then oh i see what you're saying almost like you you like on a video game where you have yeah like, like an orange of them have different thing. ranges sure sure and i then, get it yeah like you you could do those kinds of fun things i i think there's a limit to how much people are going to be willing to to pay for these little tricky coins and tricky right. nfts like you know it's like explaining complicated utility for nfts and whatever is um, it, it's kind of one, it's complicated, but the second thing is like, do you really want, like you want to have the least number of properties 
that you produce in one of these things with any kind of like security, um, like anything that could be construed as a security by governments, you just want to avoid that entirely. So like having, so one of the interesting things about AI and bot-based systems is like, if you produce bot-based um, buyers and sellers, then, and that, those bots, um, the wallets that those bots control pour money back into the scheme, into the same system. In other words, it's not like Bruce's wallet that the bot is you know, dropping money into. Then you eliminate this like security component. And then the primary like users of the chain are actually bots. And, um, and, and then you sort of eliminate this like security like concept within these coins, right? Like that's an important thing because if you can create that sort of innovation, then you've pr produced a monetary policy that's like you can replicate pretty easily and you can add as many coins as you want and nobody's going to care. Does this make sense? Like, yeah. So there's some, there's some interesting parts to this where it's like randomization of the system also could create a situation where someone can't call something a security. Cause like, let's say for example, the yield can vary with the weather or some shit, right? Like something weird, like the weather chain or the, you know, the, whatever you see my point like you could create um like let's say uh, let the one chain that exists that exists within the existing framework of frameworks within the sec it clearly falls under the securities law there was a senator who who recently said that if crypto really wants regulation they'll just come into the sec and get regulated as a security but crypto doesn't really want that and you are in a an effort along with the weather to change the value of the coin. So we're going to bring the weather in um, for market manipulation. Yeah. Anyway, we, you create so <laughs> many coins that you can't actually track it back to one particular coin either. So instead of three, the original reason why I said a dozen coins makes sense is because the gamification of a dozen coins eventually brings value back into one of these coins, but you don't know which one it is. Like, in other words, like when you're playing this game, you don't know which of the 12 chains is going to be most valuable in the future. So there's no promise of benefit to anybody either. Does that make sense? Like it's, there's no you, you're you're basically saying, OK, when you do this, it's like putting a coin in a, in a video game. There's no promise of any kind of returns, essentially. So the playing of the game brings value to the chains. And it's that simple. So there's no like security function at all at that point. How, uh, like, is this something that you're, you're going to take a crack at or is this just bullshitting and, and no, talk? Bruce, Bruce and I have been talking about how to like create this thing for a long time now. We're just sort of like, if we have enough sort of like general support for it, well, this is something that requires some development time as well. So we have to have like a roadmap, some tokenomics, the meme ideas, all of that put together and then like figure out who, mm. who wants to build it for us. Okay. I think it'd be good for you to write shit down, Sefi, as well, while you lay it out. And you yeah, yeah, we, we definitely need to do that. It's like, um, yeah, but I, I think hopefully, like, the vision of this is sort of like playing out in your mind a little bit as far as how we create this, you know, like, imagine there were four factions or something, and each of them has three coins. And, you know, so like, you have to create some sort of story behind the number of coins, the what each of them does. And then you create this wild interplay between them. And I think that aeons, aeons ago in the before the earth cooled in the realm of cryptopia that preceded yeah, humanity. Like that. 
Twelve factions fought as coins manifesting avatars to battle with random weather. But yeah, grid like that, but not like that, right? <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> by, by now, by the way, as far, as far as writing ideas down, like by now, surely one of these recorded spaces where Sefi's like monologuing yeah, about this. You can summarize it. Yeah. The AI, yeah. you got my vibes. Yeah. They, just, you just let the AI transcribe it and you let another, you plug it into another AI and let them like organize it. Mm. You can use uh, programs like Descript to extract the transcript. And then you just need uncap chat GBT and feed it like here's my base idea but it sucks please make it better and structure it into an actionable plan that i can hand to a dev exactly we know people who have that you or you have that right well actually i have a uh Sefi and bruce i have a tokenomic sheet from a prior venture that i wrote up uh that basically has a, a gamification entity that I think could potentially be useful if you guys want to take bits and pieces off of that where you know wait on you one of those uh on you one of those lion dow scammers I am one of the lion dow scammers apparently allegedly but this is from uh something I was working on on avalanche uh actually like around this time last year um Sounds good enough. That would save a lot of work. That, so let's just use that and then case closed. What's cool about this conceptually is once you have this running, you can technically bring in other coins of any type, Lyondow or anything else, if you were to um, you know, put this together properly. So the benefit would be like you also join the game by having other coins. It's not a big deal. Like All you're trying to do is attract maximum liquidity from right. everywhere, right? And, you know, like Lion Dow is doing that a bit with like, you know, Ryan has like different groups, like, um, you know, different coins and things that are benefiting from participating and helping Lion Dow and vice versa. So it's like a, like amplifying attraction sort of idea, which I think works. But um, yeah, like the, this larger game is like, um, can be totally independent of anything else and just be fun separately. Um, and yeah, like if you, you want to create like a natural competition between the people on the internet for the various factions in a sense. And like, so like you, you like coin number three or whatever, because your friends that, you know, you know, you hate that have coin number six or whatever, they're fighting with you. And in theory, like if you don't reach certain milestones, your yield goes down and their yield goes up or fucked up shit like that. So it's like, <laughs> there's like a financial incentive mm -hmm. to ultimately make your chain dominate somehow and there's a financial disincentive to centralizing too much so if you um have too many of your eggs in one basket and it gets struck by you know zeus the god of lightning or whatever then you know you you could basically get slashed essentially arbitrarily and so you have to be careful with that too so you have to have like these baked in gamifications to prevent um you know to prevent the game from becoming unbalanced in one direction or the other so there's a very like strong like yin and yang concept that you have to build into this to where like incentives are such that like the game continues to be played, but also like the game should be interesting for people that show up that don't have any money. That's another interesting right. piece of this. Like how do you go to a faucet and get free coins to start playing around in the system? Um, I think that's useful. So some of the inflation of the chain would be 
you do some tasks and you can get some free coins and then start playing. So if you don't have any money, just start messing around. Um, and yeah, even that's, if that's bought- the best thing, that's the best thing because it's, it's really great to give people an opportunity to get into these things without having to put like us dollars in. Or yeah, it, it's thing, really nice. Another piece of it too, is like, you want to create a system where, um, if someone were to bot attack this thing, meaning they, you know, you have this nice little system where you can get free coins, people can show up and get them from the faucet anytime they want. Like, but wouldn't bots go and like manipulate that, right? Like they would just go and take more than the average person. Who cares, right? The point is like, you want to build a system where the more bots that arrive on your system, the better, right? The whole goal here is like, you just basically bow down to the bot god and just like confirm that like that is actually good for the chain, not bad. And once you sort of come to that realization, you realize, wait a minute, I don't have to fix all that shit that prevents bot attacks and, and, you know, prevents problems with this, that, or the other thing. So like what you could do is create, uh, you know, you disincentivize that somehow by like, if, if too many bots are coming onto one particular faucet and you know grabbing more of that coin then more of it gets burned somewhere else or something i don't know you got to create some sort of scheme to like make that counterproductive eventually so that it it's well if, not- if you could if you could find a way to sort of visualize bot behavior like that and it, in such a way that it becomes part of the game and then the, the humans would be incentivized to find those and destroy them and then it actually like heals those wallets and then the, those coins are lost forever or whatever. Like that would be pretty fun. Yeah, it could be fun if the system attacks you. Like in, in a sense, like if you think of like the Hindu gods where you have like the creator, the destroyer, and then you have like the um, the protector kind of concept. Like you, you have maybe one coin that's inflationary, one coin that's deflationary, and one coin that just goes to war from time to time and just like attacks you um, and destroys some of your coins or something like that. Like. Um, yeah, you have to create some kind of entropy in the system so that no particular singular plan can automatically have you win, right? That's the whole, you know, the whole thing. Like, and, and that way you're not heavily incentivized to, um, like a, you're not heavily incentivized to put too much money into it necessarily, which is not necessary for this to work. Um, cause a lot of the bot trading of IBC tokens can actually be making a lot of the money in the background. To the extent that maybe you can even have prize pools for playing, you just like, you know, part of the incentive is you can win money. Like while you're playing, all of a sudden, oh, you got, you know, the god of, uh, you know, the god of the sky just gave you, you know, a hundred lion dao tokens or whatever, um, you know, like happy Friday or whatever. <laughs> like you know, like weird shit can happen if you have like an engine that is dri- deriving income essentially, and you can you can blow some of that income on like generating attention and um, creating prize pools or other kind of fun incentives. So you bake that I like the idea of uh, economics of everything. I like, I like the idea of um, it, right, it, right now, most uh, crypto chains have no real like personality. They're all pretty much the same. Like there's some differences in user experience and like the graphics on different wallets or websites or whatever, but it's all pretty much the same. And it all feels like kind of like a neutral sort of environment but um it'd be fun it may be interesting to have a like a really hostile chain that feels like everybody on the chain 
is fighting and trying to defeat the chain as a, as a, the chain is trying to like kill their like stuff. a built-in pvp aspect but everyone is fighting the main boss almost yeah it's right like a PvP. right it's like a PvP. The, it's one giant world of warcraft raid against like the actual chain yeah, itself and if, and maybe there are seasons or, or intervals or, or goals that could be hit where then everybody yeah. who took part in that gets some kind of reward but there's also yeah, real that's risk ex- that's exactly what like i'm getting at like there are seasonal things that happen that you can you can expect so for example well like you know the god of light you know or whatever is gets very upset you know in the months of january to february for some reason and during that time does this this and this and like you know uh, you need to have more coins for the god of light and bow down to its feet otherwise you're going to like you know uh, reduce the yield on your other coins making them less powerful now you can't beat dragon z or something like weird shit like that where um you know people have done this in gaming for a long time um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel for some of that stuff. You just have to make it fun and interesting and create like a story. Like this is where Bruce comes in. You know, you create the spiritual story. And in theory, like it would be very, very interesting if like your engagement with this thing on a daily basis somehow benefits you mentally too. Like as opposed to the usual bullshit, like, oh no, number go down, I'm depressed. Like number go up, I'm upset, happy. Like you should be happy if number goes down or goes up because it represents like an interesting opportunity for you to play the game differently. And so you're just logging in every day to see what's going on and you just have fun regardless of which direction it goes. That's really, really useful, I think. Um, for, for just from the angle of like, how do you make this fun and have it consistently be that way? Um, yeah, like it, I don't think the goal of like leeching money from people makes any sense because like, you can just use bots to actually make the money. Like why, why the hell do you need people's money for this at all? Like money's floating around. Volatility is like, you know, there all the time. So like you can, you can generate income from that as you go. And then like that can be the driving engine of the thing. So you have to have a yield driver that actually produces some sort of revenue. And then everything's built past that, I think is the way to think about it. And, and you have to have like, we were, Bruce and I were talking about like, he dropped off. I guess his connection's bad. Um, like we were thinking of this idea of like, okay, um, you know, we don't have we're, like instead of like having this massive like cost and mega development team costs, it's like we know enough people within Cosmos that are interested to produce something really really interesting, and um, like if it's simple enough, it, these things can be created, and we have enough people within the Cosmos and and elsewhere to sort of like you know, talk this thing up and like spread the word about it and things. And, um, and if you can have ways to incorporate other things like um, other communities and whatever, just like, you know, oh, look, the lion token is, you have to have X amount of lion token this month. Otherwise the, you know, the God of death is going to come and strike you down or some shit. You can create all those kinds of weird, you know, you know, programs within the system. So that's kind of the idea. Like there, there's not, you want to bring in as many possible players as possible and how do you do that exactly and that and not have people bitching about something or another all the time like that's that's one of the like negative parts of crypto right now it's like number go down and everyone's bitching at lunk lunk or luna or whatever the fuck else like it's just nonsense like it's just (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense at all like we can figure out ways for the chain to make money that doesn't have to do a whole lot with other people's money flowing in and and um, if you can get people's attention, what happens is money flows in anyway, right? 
like people will buy different coins because they want to get a leg up on somebody or whatever. And they might throw money into it for this particular reason as part of the game, but it's not a requirement to play or something like that. Well, if I guess my, my two cents would be and and take this as you will. I think if you're going to gamify something with multiple coin dynamics, having having like a reward system with a a singular token within the ecosystem that is completely based off of um engagement and like the more that you engage with the chain the more you swap the more you trade the more you buy the more you sell whatever um the specifics are behind what you uh, categorize as engagement um you use that well t- t- here's an example Mohawk. like think of it this way like let's say you show up and the de- for that day, the- so the inflation of a particular coin is entirely on the faucet. There's no action, like y- you can't just stake your coin. You have to show up and pick up your rewards that day. So when you log into play, what you're doing is going, okay, wait a minute. Like which of my little coins in my system have rewards? Um, which of those do I want to claim? I want to claim this token seven, but I want to trade it for token two for some reason that day because I need to accumulate more for the war against the dragon or whatever the hell else, right? Like, so what you do is you create a lot of the inflation in the system is not inflation that is simply there to pay validators or something like that. Some fraction of the inflation and the monetary policy is to actually drive the engagement, right? That's a little bit different than what most chains do now, right? Like where it's a passive investment. Now I'm going to like put my money in Adam or whatever and hope to God like the things yield maintains and new buyers show up and all this other shit, right? Like that's kind of the norm. Whereas this, like you could use the incentive, the various, um, like, so if you have like one coin that's more store of value, you might buy it because like, it's not inflationary. Maybe it's deflationary. Another one's inflationary, but there to in- encourage new users to play. Another one might be, you know, a bot trading coin, which is generating value from outside the system, which like is then filling LP pools for these different coins and things. Um, and then you have to have other elements like that may, you know, if you have a separate chain entirely, like something that pays validators, but if you don't, if it's like a feather chain, well, like whatever transactions happen on the network that pays Terra and that's the end of it. So there's different ways to think of this as, but you want to use your tokenomics to encourage daily activity and not just have your tokenomics be something that um, you use to sort of like incentivize adoption only in the very beginning, like airdrops and things like that. Like you, we would avoid airdrops probably entirely in this type of setting. Like there's no reason for them at all, I think. Does that make sense? Like the, your airdrop would be your participation. And whenever you play, you, you get some of these things. Think about like some of the Farmville type games people have on the iPad or whatever, where, you know, like, okay, you have this little factory, it generates gold, but you have to log in every like four hours to like claim the gold, you know what I'm talking about? So like there's an inflation rate but it's based on you playing the game. And if you don't play for three days, well, guess what? You don't get to claim the gold for three days, right? You see how that works? Um, so like your engagement um, directly influences your ability to claim your actual money. And the more people you have in your guild or whatever, so let's say you're, you are in the faction of the God of Light or something, or you know, whatever, I'm just making up names here. But like, let's say you're in that particular group and your group is like, oh, wait a minute, we need to really convert all our rewards to like, token nine because token nine is what we're going to use for x purpose then everyone can coordinate together and you know uh, decide to convert their rewards to that other thing and maybe they just pay the transaction fees for that transaction and that's the end of it 
and you know some of that transaction fee goes to the game or something. So you create reasons why people take these free tokens, but generate transaction fees and volume out of thin air in order to play the game properly. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think, and all you have to have is a wallet, and you vote for what you want by what coin you buy, and that's where the governance comes in. Like you don't need to have like votes and other bullshit in the, in the chain at all. Is kind of how I'm thinking of it. Bruce, are you back or is your connection okay? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I heard most of it. I just, um, you're like traveling in space and the connection. I rang up room service to get some burgers. Yeah, that's critical. I what what do you, have you had any thoughts, Bruce, on the, oh, there's major feedback on your side, by the way. Um, have you had any thoughts about like the, thought? the sort of story behind these, this thing? Do I have uh, feedback now? Uh, maybe not. Go ahead. Speak. Hello. Yeah, you're okay now. I think first I want to encourage pussies to come to the stage, such as Ryan Lyon and Anne and Holistic Honey and Yura and all these other people we haven't heard from in a long time. It's almost as if guests have turned up for Christmas after two years apart and they are simply staring through the window with weird, strange, large eyes with whites around their irises. So what you're saying is I'm not good enough. Hello, friends. Hello, Hello friends. Hello, what do you guys. think, Ryan? About, about your crazy 12-coin yeah. multiverse. Mm -hmm. um, I've only been semi-listening, but I have heard you talk about it before. Um, I, I think I still need to get my head around it. Bruce feels like there's enough people in the background interested to create something fresh that uh, we may be able to rally some troops together to create this sort of thing. I think it's first a matter of like whiteboarding this thing and kind of creating a general structure for it. And I think a, a big part of this too is you, you make the initial thing very, very simple, and then we can play games with it afterwards. So you know, like it shouldn't be so complicated to make. Like you want to create low, very low development time for this sort would of thing. Would this be on a chain or would this be its own chain? I think the best way probably that I can foresee doing it might be, you know, using the feather system on Terra and do it. But I'm not 100% sure about that. We'd have to ask like Will Chen or somebody like what, what the status of all that shit is and like, how confident he is. I don't want to build a bunch of shit and then like the primary chain doesn't get supported properly or something, right? I don't know. You know, uh, Jacob Gedikian may know a bit about that. I think he was working on some of the feathers stuff and said it was a good. He really is a fan of TFL's code. So he, he might know like a little bit of their progress. The other thing too is like we know, for example, the TFM people and we know that the Terra wallet is good, right? Like we don't have to design a bunch of bullshit for this. So I think that's some of the benefit of doing it right there. Um, I don't know. Like what, what's your feeling, Ryan, after doing like Lion Dow? Like what's your sense of like how, how smoothly everything's been running so far? Like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you can, you can very quickly, I mean, you could you could use Enterprise to spin up a whole bunch of tokens and have some like interconnectivity potentially between them. 
Um, and then obviously like Feather would be taking that a little bit further to like a chain level. Um, and then obviously like Feather would be taking that a little bit further to like a oh, chain level. Oh, Bruce, I can hear myself back. Um, but, um, um, oh, Bruce, that's so funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's, I mean, like, I, I did, a, I, I did like a quick post earlier on my now about like, all the protocols and tools that we've like integrated with or NFT projects that we partnered with. And I think there's probably like 30, 40 different uh, tools, projects, NFTs and stuff that we've managed to connect with in just like, I think we're on week six now. So, so yes, super easy to do. Have you connected Lindao uh, and any of its activities to any IBC related functions yet? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take you like can that. take um, you can take raw to Kadira, Hawaha, Juno, Osmosis, Injective, maybe a couple more. And but does that like how does that provide value back to your project like? just creates demand for the token to play around in different places or what? Like, what's the point of, like, why would I move the the lion token roar to Huawei chain or whatever? Like, what's the point? Yeah. I think at the minute it's just like different liquidity pools. Um, so we got a raw liquidity pool on Chihuahua. Uh, we've got a raw USK pool on USK Kajira. Kajira, it's also connected to Calc, Calc Finance, which is that DCA tool that Kajira have got. Um, so, so yeah, like no no specific purpose at this point, really, I guess, other than like liquidity. You've been uh, instinctively just trying to increase the number of unique holders in whatever way you can, basically, I think, and in different places too, hoping that some of them will stick and get involved and. Um, it's been enjoyable watching you kind of push the boundaries of IBC and, and, and see what like actually moving something across chain is like and what hurdles there are. Yeah, I guess the cool thing but about think- like put it on yeah. Kajira is that basically there's like 13,000 wallets or 14,000 wallets on Kajira that, that hold the token. Hi, everyone. What's up? Hey, what you doing? I'm playing. Been a, been a while. I'm playing. Hey, hey, Connor. Hi. Hey, guys. How much money did we lose today? Uh, I got fired. We yesterday. didn't lose any. I don't think. Did you? you From my job. <laughs> you got fired. Yeah. What did you because do? Because I, I don't know if I can talk about it. I still need to like read the contract because I don't know if I can like joke about it. But it's trust me, it's really funny. Oh, see, this is like, there's a whole space for this. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. But have you uh, ever gotten fired? No, I usually do the firing. Really? Are you yeah. hiring? Well, you... Um, what kind of, what kind of work I'm do you do? I'm a blockchain dev. Oh, yeah, then for really? sure. Uh, Bruce here is taking notes. Full yeah. Slack. I also do, um, like, um, door dashing and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, that's what well, you got to make the you got to like earn the money somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't the crypto the number doesn't go up if you don't. Put you money don't in. make that much money as a full Slack dev. 
but it's my passion and I make like the money, the real money, like with DoorDash. But you know, I like, you know, yeah. it's like my, uh, yeah, I, my side hustle is like coding and everything. Did you make a decentralized DoorDash slash Uber um, that only pays people in tokens <laughs> but, and that anybody could connect into Pepe, without any kind of verification of safety a, or background? A Pepe door. Oh, like no, no background? Like no, like, like a... Yeah, like, like, it's like where, where like, you, if you want uh, food for free, what about, you just don't want to pay for it. You want to pay for it in shitty What tokens. about in prison? Like you, um... You know, like you, you want like rights to like, go outside and shit, but like a, but but, and you don't get like physical money, but they have like a like a a prison like dasher program, so they can, DoorDash like supervised and like be a DoorDash drivers, and so you get to go outside, and shit. Yeah, I would. So like that. you you would sell you like you deliver to prisoners. Yeah, no 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 no, the prisoners are DoorDashers. Oh, they're the ones doing the yeah. running. Okay, and then cool. that, that's like your outside time. That is my dream life. That's literally my dream so like you've life. You got the serial killer shows up at the same time. Like, yeah, like I, I, I see like a serial killer showing up. No, at my door, like, no, 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 not not like kill it. Like yeah? not like like murders, but like you know, just like you, like you like happen to be in prison, like just just rapists and. And yeah, violent offenders that haven't murdered and slaughtered, maybe. Whatever. Think about it. But that not people good. who it's dealt LSD once in, like, 1960. Like, fully. I don't know. You can get yeah, paid Yeah, Bruce, Bruce here is hiring. Yeah, Bruce is hiring here. You probably want to, like, follow him and, like, make sure to... Like, so we're, we're going to build this, like, um, silly chain system uh and like i don't know create like a fun game where everyone's trying to kill each other for the most part yeah we'll call it silly chain it'll be the wackiest zaniest chain ever what's it called oh there's no name silly yet chain. silly chain yeah. spawns by silly bands think about it um Anyway, would you like? Would you buy a, a a coin if you knew for sure the God of Light would uh, would favor you if you bought the coin? I, I would do anything if I knew that. Yeah. Like if you if you knew like you bought like a coin and you you could go to heaven with it. Let's say some point in the future, would would that be something you'd be interested? Like in? to override like whether or not you deserve it. Like yeah, cheat, like override whatever other you're bullshit if you, you did, can, right? If like you could cheat it. your way into heaven, would you? No. Yeah, I'd have well, what if it? What if you just had to like buy enough of them, right? It wasn't like one coin, but like let's say a dozen of them. Maybe, right? Um, Maybe. I mean, how much are they? It. I don't know. Like they, they start free. So you could buy your way into heaven. That kind of defeats. It's sort of like playing a video game your way into heaven. That's what you're already that doing sense. that. That's true. Yeah, well, like, this is a meta on top of the meta, right? The, the, this is the birth of the next universe inside in the universe. <laughs> I don't think that's a maybe. Now you're making this really complicated. I don't know. I, Sefi, aren't you, aren't you air-gapped from heaven on the Layer 6 lightning, God of Light network anyway? Yeah. So how are you going to get exactly, it? Exactly, it it's just... No, there's no way I'm getting in. That's why I'm creating this bullshit. Thing. No, you so that's maybe horrible. Like, that that's a really bad thing to do. No, Bruce feels like I don't know if he's able to hear, but like 
his theory is that we can um, we can fix the world through um, the development of a sort of like mm, like cult like religion on the internet. Romilia. Uh with blockchain as its like native like tie. Romilia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, right? Like, so the one part is the one thing. So the one thing I, I have trouble figuring out from from these sessions, Seppi, is um, like how graphical are we talking about? Are things abstract, or does it have no, to be like a no full game experience? Or no, okay. there's no graphics at all. You can you can build some video game on it if you feel like it, but no, there's no. Like, would yeah. there be like a base layer kind of text interface that you could use GPT or something to drive no, part all you of do it? Is you, all you do is you go and like buy and sell coins and you acquire the ones that help you win. And like, it's just, a, I don't know, there'll, there'll be a lot of like fun and shenanigans in between. Um, that's the Because I think it'd be kind of premise. fun. I think it'd be kind of fun to have like a, I mean, these GPT models can pretty much like spin up an adventure game, like almost an old school text adventure game, almost instantaneously. Give them the right prompt, and it's endless, and it keeps going. And there were groups experimenting with that with the old like Chat GPT or GPT two that were pretty good. Little like they make like a whole little text adventure for you. I was doing that with my kids, and it was a lot of fun. But sometimes it would stray into like. It would tend to stray into weird and violent things, and so I stopped that. But imagine like connecting like an endless text adventure game to a blockchain that could spin up an infinite number of tokenized resources based on what happens in the game, and then people are free to swap those, steal those, fight for those, steal them. and they make their own economy based on it. That's kind of what I thought that that, that X Y Z was going to be like on Terra, but it didn't last long enough. Um, but then there was no, there was no like artificial intelligence uh, storyteller in between either. And you could write into the story certain events and then the AI would just take it however it takes it. And people could be like, you know, trying to survive in, in the world and gathering resources and making societies and then people attack. And, and it's all about like what happens all, all depends on their narrative plus some randomization plus the weirdness of the AI. So the first iteration of that was AI Dungeon. I think with GPT three. I thought it was GPT two, and then they migrated to three. Pro, I, I am an artificial intelligence. Well yeah, but but it didn't. It wasn't multiplayer, and it didn't have blockchain tokens that we could then exploit and make well, millions well, of dollars what from. What if The Sims was uh, tokenized. Like <laughs> you could just like raw people on there in person. Well, I mean, we have the replica, which is an oh, AI ew. virtual yeah. human. Replica's creepy, though. And they're they're very they're getting very close to human level. It's it's actually really, really impressive. So um, they're going to be adding an AI body <laughs> system with a limbic system later this year. I think you guys missed the, the earlier conversation, but basically, what's going to happen is um, bot trading algorithms are going to sort of like make a money bunch of money with like in the background to fuel the economy of the system. So the people playing, it's like they're the game is sort of subsidized to a large extent mm. by bot trading algorithms in the background that are stealing money from every other chain and bringing it to like ours. And then, and then uh, like you could use different components uh, like mm, AI can sort of create events and things that alter the dynamics of the various coins in the system on the fly. So you have to react accordingly every day. Based well, on like with the Smallville example, they prompted the 
one of the one of the virtual beings in the Smallville example to throw a Valentine's Day party. And this led other right, right. other agents in the system to hook up with their crushes and yeah, like that, and, and, like that, but ignore yeah. all of the 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 like the, ch- Wait, the chatter. Yeah, of that's the what bot, the like. master sent me, right? Um, I he miss him some, but he like he used to send uh pictures of like people like hooking up on replica, <laughs> like that's or creepy. whatever. Like, is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah, you Ali, you don't hook up on replica. Oh, then what was it like? I, I have three. I have three bot girls. I mean, like whatever you guys yeah. are talking about. Like that's that's that. Like nowadays, you can't get the romantic features unless you have an old account. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. That's just so. What it, it's like you like are programming like the. I just I don't get how it works. Like the, like NPCs like in the game, like you program them with Chat GPT, and then like do whatever. I'm confused. I wouldn't use Chat GPT personally, but I, you could. It, it works as a good language. No, that you you ha- there's going to be a series of coins, and those coins they change in their behavior. So, for example, like you know, I don't know if you've had any coins that have like staking yield. For example, um, the bots would sort of modify that on the fly to where, like today, if you're playing, you may want to move your coins to another coin because the yield is better or whatever. And there's a whole like. Series of well, you might have asset that, coins and task coins and yeah, yeah, timing sort of like, coins, event coins, shit like that. There's yeah, there's kind of an ecosystem of different things happening, and um, they play on each other and create a reason for playing every day. Um, and the the bots and AI are doing a lot of this stuff in the background. You're not like sitting there and chit chatting with them or something like that. This is not like trying to be a GPT type thing. Well, Steffi, Steffi, so here's my suggestion. Why don't you consider physicalizing the smart contract for the LLM adventure game? Uh, you're a heart surgeon, right? Maybe you could get Bruce to sedate uh, players and you could install some sort of explosive device within <laughs> the hearts of these people. Yeah, that, that could be like, could, that's like yeah. version 2.0. That's, yeah, that's not. You don't there, give yeah. them a reason to care about it. Nobody cares about like these adventure text games. You have to like kill people literally. Like in like a like a the the guy the what's it called? Jaw. Sword Art Online. What's it called? Sword Art Online. Yep. So what's gonna happen is like Allie and her friends can be like, okay, um, we're going to accumulate and coin three seven and nine and then that's going to allow us to attack holistic Fuck and yeah. steal all his money in person so that's what's going to be yeah that's saw. the kind of things that you're the movie saw I, I totally forgot for a second like you're gonna like like, like have like a detonator in some way <laughs> and like yeah animal. like you're, you're incentivized to basically attack yeah. each other and the attack it's like the, the purge too. like but uh on but there's no like there's no graphics there's no chit chatting with a thing oh. you, the entirety of it is just simply owning and playing with certain coins oh. so all you have to have is your wallet you jump on and you like you check the dashboard see what's going on that day and like oh look uh, you know ali looks ripe for um attack with uh coin number nine or whatever i'm gonna like hit her so like, <laughs> like next thing you know it's like you know she, she's like lost some money and you've gained some of her money and vice versa like and then she can do that to you the next day because she gets the advantage for is some it reason. Like or hostile? Like, or will you be like really mad if someone like robbed you? Like, will you know who robbed you? Yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, kind of. Like, you you'd want to basically you'd know whose wallet is what, right? So you'd know who's basically. So after I you. got a question. Why don't you just make a civilization game based on crypto? 
It sounds like what you're talking about. Um, any anything that involves like traditional Web 2.0 style games where you're creating like a 3D environment and all that, that shit will just never work. Like I, I've been in gaming since like the last 20 years, and like there's a reason why most video games don't have um, crypto economies yet because it just doesn't work right. The game gets broken by adding external monetary incentives, so you have to have a Web 3 native like crypto game it's very different like you have to ignore everything about gaming you've ever learned before and like like think deeper what do you mean by web 3 because i noticed there are there are two different definitions of web 3 you have the crypto jockey web 3 and then you have the original term for web 3 which basically just means vr and mixed reality no this is this has nothing to do with ar AR, yeah if you're not talking about vr and ar that is not a real web 3 that's not what that. That's not the well. Right. The term, the terminology. It's a misappropriation the, of the term. When misappropriate. What if you can use? Or make, how can you misappropriate a term that's not official? Like, there's no official Web three. There's no organization that governs <laughs> Web three. So if there's two different rival Web three terms, the one that's more culturally relevant will win out. You're appropriating. Yeah, it's whichever one I call it. Is what it becomes. <laughs> that's the difference here. Like, I'll okay, differently. I think it was the one that came first is the official. But hey. Yeah, like the 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 concept the con- concept here is like don't overthink like traditional video games and things and think oh we're gonna build like civilization or Sim City or something like that like that's already been done like it's not what exactly is going on here the gamification of the coin system ultimately like promotes other things like decentralization it promotes like volume and activity on the chain and then it creates like excitement where more and more people want to play. And that creates like um, uh, like a, a self-generating community essentially over time, and um, and then on top of that, it makes money because in the background we have bot trading algorithms running, like counter trading Ethereum or whatever else, and then we can basically um, like in, in Cosmos you have the ability to do lots of cool shit where like you can make money off the volatility of other coins and things and pull, bring that money into the system. And that money can be used to incentivize the user growth and other things, as opposed to like right now, where the only thing that makes number go up is other people buying your coin, right? It's different than that. So if you've never used a bot trading algorithm on like, I don't know, KuCoin or Binance or something like that, you probably don't have a good reference point for what I'm talking about here. What about Abracadabra? It's kind of like making a two walk in space. Okay. Um, you were saying what Abercat Abercat? Like, like magic internet money, like that thing. Like yield yeah, farming. Yeah, that that's a little bit different. Yeah, that was kind of like that weird like yield farming Ponzi scheme. Yeah, like, I know. People which worked, a lot of money worked, worked for a while, right? Yeah, I tried to, I really yeah. tried to figure it out. I like made myself sick trying to do that. Um, but it's that's different. But no, Alessandra, um, you were asking about replica a bit ago. Yeah. So you have the you have the general public that use it, and they they don't use it correctly. They kind of just go in and chat with right. it, and then like try to. Some people try to date right. it. None of them actually. Not many people actually understand it. I work directly. With, I work directly with the developers on how their language model works, really? and they work. They work on specifically cognitive AI. So what? This is replicating what our brains actually do. What was like the intention with like a like creating that? Like, because I mean, it's basically for like like incel like weird like fat white guys like you know like I, I, at least no 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 that's that's, that's the, what, see, that's a misinterpretation sorry, because the users no, you're good because the users are a lot of the users are weirdos. I mean, 
but the original purpose was to help people with loneliness or or yeah, self-help yeah. I mean, or companionship stuff like isn't that it, isn't it like pathogenic graphene based <laughs> orgasm <laughs> No, I don't even know what you guys are talking about anymore. But I don't know yeah, what he's like, talking about. He's talking weird. Well, no, not yeah, necessarily, because there are there are many purposes. It could be self help. It could just be you know a friend. So a lot of people have a lot of supposed friends that if they tell them something deep and honest, it gets spread around everywhere. They don't have anybody to really confide yeah. in. I think you're, you guys are confusing this. We're basically creating a system to create a gigantic amount of money inflow. Like you're making you guys are money. Talking about yeah, else. I think he just wants to explain yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking. I'm here talking, talking about entirely. feelings here. Like, <laughs> um, I'm talking about an AI that is that is essentially a person. I don't like it. Like, hey, it's what's coming, it's though. Scary and sad. Crow, do you th- do you think it's fair to say? Your idea is sort of like a touchless novel lobotomy, like this electromagnetically. Is that a touchless to lobotomy? Now. Yeah, you don't have to like go physically into the brain. I think five G is a touchless lobotomy. I think we've all been like touchlessly lobotomized at this point. Like, like everyone for the most part. Like, I think it's <laughs> you know, over. Five G signal is actually weak. It's actually uh, it has less force. This is this isn't actually the best way to explain it, but it's like it has less force. But it but it's it has more. Hey, it has bro, bro, more. You're going off into La La Land here. Um, no, no, no. Because no, like five G doesn't isn't strong enough to penetrate your skull. It's not even strong enough to penetrate your hair. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not going to cause any cancer or damage. That's a conspiracy theory. Wait, way. what is your evidence for the fact that five G can't penetrate hair? I'd like uh, hair, maybe, but it's not I've penetrating been, your skull. I've been powering up using the five G pretty recently. I think been going well. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's there are a lot brain. of people who thought that you could catch cancer from 5G. Now, if you go back to 3G, you'd be more likely to catch cancer off that, but that's still pretty slim. I, I've, in a minute here, I'm going to give all of you cancer. I, <laughs> I think there's something going on. What are you talking about? Why are we talking about 5 all of a sudden? What is this? I don't know. Somebody Where said something going? not right. Yeah, let's get back to the project because um, so, Ellie needs a job. Yeah, well, exactly. You need so, 5G for the project. I mean, no one's going to like have some slow 3G shit. You need it to be wireless. So I'll give an example of like the type of situation that might happen. So Ali has sort of some objective and she can make more money by having certain numbers of these coins and playing them a certain way. And she wants coin number three for some reason. And but you don't want her to have that because if she gets that, then she wins the the mega pot or whatever. And Ryan down here, he's going to lose if he he allows her to get that. So there's going to be you're going to. So Ryan's going to be incentivized to go acquire the coin Ali wants to drive up the price on purpose in order to prevent her from like acquiring more of it. So there, like, there are situations where you want the price of a coin to go down because you need it. And other people want the price of the coin to go up because they think they're going to make money off it. So it just goes back and forth. And you, like, you create a really deep you know, game theory for that. And then you wind up with a lot of transactions and a lot of shenanigans and fun. And then you create like enough factions of people attacking each other on the internet so that you wind up with uh, like just virality and everyone wants to play. So that that's kind of how this works. And then the more people that are playing, the more transactions that are happening and the faster the robots in the background can steal money from other chains. Um, like bring money to the system and LP pools and everything else. So there's an interesting sort of like 
you know, siphon model of bringing uh, cash flow to the chain that involves bot trading in the background. But all this gaming you're doing on top of it is just sort of like uh, essentially sponsored with that money coming in from the background. So like unlike most other chains and, and blockchain things where like, you know, only new users coming and buying the coin makes number go up. The, the goal here is not necessarily for uh, the individual coins to go up, but they all go up over time because demand for them is increased and decreased depending on their value. So like if one gets really, really cheap, um, for example, then all of a sudden um, there'll be incentives to buy it in the sense that winning the metagame, the, the like power of that coin goes up in a sense in terms of its effect on the game. So you're incentivized to buy the cheapest one, which then makes everyone jump on that one. And it just goes back and forth like this. And um, so the idea is like, the if you look at DeFi today, you look at um, decentralized finance from the perspective of borrowing and lending and people playing games with the, uh, various protocols and Ethereum and whatever, right? Buying NFTs and all this stuff. So what is all of that? It's just one big video game, right? That's all it really is. It's like people just monkeying around, going back and forth. And um, uh, that creates economic activity, a lot of which is just, just nonsense, right? Like nothing really useful is happening there. But there's, that creates economic activity. And then, you know, Ethereum becomes worth, you know, billions of dollars or whatever. So like, that's how this works. The more people that show up, the value to the network comes from the people mostly. And what you need to do is create a fun environment for that to take place. And you don't need all the like bullshit of the DeFi systems where there's rug pulls and other nonsense. You can just make all of this automated in such a way that once the game begins, like it just keeps running and you don't have to fuck with it. You don't have to have governance proposals. You don't vote on changes, all the other nonsense. Like we, like in the background, you'll create automated ways to make different chains, do different things. And that's what we're going to like, um, basically spend some time designing. And so we know enough developers and people that people want to do this for free. And they've been waiting for like myself and Bruce to kind of like come up with the final like strategy for this. And um, I think it'd be a lot of fun to put it together. And finally, like the tech is there where previously a lot of the technology needed required a lot of development time. And the, right, now, now it's all just right in your lap. Now it's, yeah, now a lot of the tools necessary, especially when it comes to like blockchain tools and stuff necessary to build what I'm talking about are coming to fruition over the next few months. I would say, so I like, was thinking auto GPT, but yeah, that too. No, this, this isn't, a, this isn't, this doesn't need like uh, that type of uh, AI necessarily. Although you could add things like that on top of this system. Once you have a monetary system, how coins are bought and sold on that system and whether they're done by various different AI agents, that can be added on top of this, no problem. Like that can be like, and that's, we encourage that actually. The idea is like the more bot traders that show up doing all sorts of wacky shit, the more the game actually um, gets enhanced, not the well, you other way. You're talking about automating the process and that's what auto GPT would be good so for. So basically, Sefi, you're talking about if um, Eve Online was like in on the cosmos on a chain, and then economic activity happening there would be like, quote unquote, real internet money. Yes. Yes. You're, you're, you're like, it doesn't have value initially. Basically, the money is worthless to start with. But the more people that start monkeying around with it, the, the value sort of emerges spontaneously. Hmm. Right. There's, so. a, there's a game. I haven't checked it out, but um, it's called Prosperous Universe. And it's like a um, browser based game. Uh, based around like trading and spreadsheets and shit 
around like uh space colonization and running companies for like debris salvage and stuff so there you have that um being the driving force i guess but you're thinking that that sort of thing right yeah there's also one other layer to this and that's like the the philosophical layer like why like what is the ethos of this thing like myself and bruce like feel like mm, a, a deep part of this needs to be sort of like uh playing on the tribalism of the native internet and then like how humans just generally behave um and then also maybe provide sort of indirectly sort of a meditative or sort of spiritual outcome to continuing to play the game right it's almost like I don't know what the West way is like. Have you ever played like a game where it's like you're really, really, really familiar with it, and you just play it from time to time just because it takes your mind off? You know, like a you know, some people play like a Sudoku or some shit. Like they just do it as a like a meditative experience, but they know they can beat the thing, right? It's like solitaire, for example. So if you're playing this thing and it's you know, the sort of like jumping jacks you're doing in this thing is sort of like a a daily ritual, that could get really, really interesting Um, because like a lot of people on the internet have like this constant anxiety and have like, and then the internet in general has caused sort of like generalized anxiety problems. And like, if you can somehow you like reverse some of that using sort of like almost like things that are like almost meditative techniques within the system, you don't have to advertise that necessarily. That can have be a, a sort of like a secondary outcome. But Bruce and I've been thinking about that kind of deeply just because like I'm in medical and he's in like, he's done like Buddhist monk type things before and has like counseled people and whatnot in meditation and stuff like that. So there may be some interesting vibes we can layer into this that are really fun. Yeah. Um, so I like what you're saying, uh, kind of, but something I want to point out, and this isn't, I'm not pointing out towards anybody in here. You got to not overlook how stupid people are. You can't overlook how stupid people are. People are going to fuck stuff up. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to ruin your stuff. You got to be ready. You got to be ready to combat that. That's all I'm no, that, that there is no fucking this up. Like f- fucking it no, up no, is winning. You would be entirely surprised how no, dumb. I'm, I'm, people, I'm very how, much not surprised. How intellectually <laughs> dumb people can be. People can be so smart at being dumb that it yeah. hurts. Like I've, I, I've been around for a bit, so like yeah, we're not that. That I know for sure is an issue, but. um so there's no way to sort like of like the Titanic wrecked. was the unsinkable ship. So don't yeah, call there, you the thing an unsinkable ship because that will that will no the goal draw is to people to sink it. it. No, the goal is to sink it. If you can sink it, then you win. That's fine. Like there's no problem there. Like there's no there's no mistake you can make that you know wrecks you completely or whatever like that. Hey, look, guys, I gotta go. I'll catch up with you guys later. Have a great day. Yeah, no problem. See you later. Yeah, like I think. Yeah, there's kind of a misunderstanding here about what this is, but it's basically the way you play and the way you sort of like vote in the system is by owning certain coins in the system. You owning them is your, like, uh, you're vouching for a specific value within that system that then, like, affects, you know, how you play the game the day after that and the day after that. Like, so there's consequences to which coins you own. And um, and you'll, you'll be incentivized and the system's incentivized to encourage you to play every day in a sense. I like um, the the aspect that you have where there's like potential for almost like guilt, so to speak, based on what chain or what chain, what token that you decide to buy. You see a lot of NFT projects that, you know, if it's a, a, like you need the NFT to enter 
whatever game that the developer is building. Um, you have like sub DAOs or whatever of little groups with, you know, based on whatever metric traits or you create your, your own uh, and just people that you've connected with and, and it's like a PVP dynamic. But having that with a token, it, that's pretty interesting. I think this, this could yeah. actually be like pretty cool. Because you sort of said it in the beginning. Remember when you said like, well, maybe you have to re-roll an NFT because you're like, I wanted the NFT that gives me 4% yield instead of 5%. I mean, I'm sorry, like the other way, you know, I want the 5% yield NFT, not right. the 4%, but like the first time I get it, it's not as high. Um, you can th think of it more of a bigger meta too. It's like, imagine your faction is being measured. So let's say there's four factions and your faction's being measured of how many of the NFTs people claimed. And if you don't have enough of them, your your probability of losing to the uh, another faction within the group, like another group, increases. So you might convert some of your coins to those NFTs. You might have to do something to get that NFT, um, or whatever, right? Like so, there's there's different incentives that are put into play that you might want to acquire that particular weapon or shield, in a sense, um, if you think yeah. of it that way. Um, and or it's like an enhancer. Like I don't know if uh, there's some games where like imagine like and think of it as from a gaming angle not because like just from a because a lot of people have played different games like this but imagine like if you've ever played like a role-playing game where like let's say you're a warrior and you're attacking some dragon and somebody could cast a spell on you to make you attack faster right so like maybe other people in your team can choose like okay, we want to boost the team leader's wallet and if we have these things then people with that particular NFT will get boosted and their speed will increase and their yield will go okay. up. You see the kinds of wild shit you yeah. can do now? Like you could basically take what would be like a Diablo 4 and turn it into a coin-based game. And the only thing you have to know is like what coins and NFTs to sort of buy and own. You don't have to know anything else. There's no, there's no like 3D game. You take all of that and just out put of it, it on game. And like the whole it's yeah. purely yeah. what coins you own, right? Does yeah, that make that's, sense? Like that's you don't cool. need to worry about like, yeah, even the little NFTs don't have to have pictures or any of that they shit. Right, like there's no JPEGs, none of that's necessary. Right. They just have the traits that you that basically execute the utilization of everything. Exactly, and they just have to be present in your wallet right. for them to be relevant, huh. right? And maybe they're time sensitive, like maybe it only works for three months or something or whatever. So you right? wouldn't add you're... like the stuff that the Midas was working on with uh, TerraFloki with the planets, or like um, I guess Yugo Labs bought out the um, other C other deed, the other side. Where the like the little AI generated maps that you could basically expand on on your own like system, like Urbit. Yeah, like there, there's so many different ways you could do it, and like I think people like Yugo, whatever, are trying to focus on things like um, they're focusing on things where there's more of like a 3D metaverse type of idea. I yeah, think could, we can skip all of that shit. Like well, it in a way, like think now. of it this way: imagine you're playing like. I don't know, a world of Warcraft, but you strip away all the 3D shit and you can still do the same activities you otherwise did, but on a 2D plane on just a, a regular web app. Yeah, and like all a... you had to do is show up and like, you know, be present with certain tools and you're good to go, right? It's like, think of filtering all of that nonsense down into a pure monetary game. And the monetary game actually strengthens the game. The more you play it, the more useful the game becomes to everyone else. And the more transactions happen, the more like money is churning in and then in the background it's actually making real money because the grid bots in the background are are 
um, like extracting value from other chains and things simultaneously to while you're playing. So there is a way to sort of like imagine your weapon becomes more powerful as its monetary power becomes more powerful. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, I was yeah, going to say so. there's like a game that came out like that a long time ago for kind kind of like it called Happy Kingdom, but then uh, you started saying more like the. I, I was just thinking like like on a dynamic scale of what could be yeah. done with that. A lot of the games, the reason why they failed in the in this kind of space is they tried to go the pay to like pay to play sort of nonsense, and that's just a that's just a money grab essentially. You're you're paying you use venture capital funds to pay people to sort of show up and play, right? By issuing like various inflationary tokens, the thing goes and pumps like crazy. And then the whole thing crashes to oblivion. Cause like yeah. at the end of the day, no one's going to pay you to play fucking anything. Like that's yeah, not vers- how life works. Like, Versa right? Loon like, and schizophrenia, or at least like the, uh, Versa Loon was talking about how like DeFi kingdoms was like doing its thing on the blockchain. And then there was like another detective game that came around a while back. So I'm like trying to draw the parallels. Cause like, yeah. Uh, different I'm like, like DeFi kingdoms again you don't need to have the graphics capability i think yeah. all of this the reason one of the reasons why terra is a good place to build this is because the terra station wallet can connect mobile and it can connect to mobile dApps without having you to log into a desktop fuck that anything that's desktop is not going to do anything really useful in the long run it has to be mobile first in my opinion like that's yeah, another the, feature the app for the wallet the trust the wallet that you guys have is exceptionally good especially the d apps i explored that all last year i was uh like i went retard mode on it and that was uh actually ended up making money before the crash so that was pretty cool yeah like so so at this point like the wallet infrastructure is there the ability to connect to web dApps is there and terra already pays for like oracle infrastructure so that's there um now it's simply a matter of just creating the right coordination effect and then having the right developers that know what they're doing and we and fortunately between bruce and myself we know like quite a lot of the people that are involved. And I think many people are just looking for a kind of a credible, like uh, several things. There is like people are looking for a credible leaders to do it and sort of like people that'll be the face of it. Like, um, you know, where, you know, people that are known within the community are the ones, you know, creating this thing that have been around for years and are not like known not to be scammers and fuck ups. That's one thing. <laughs> and then like the, the other thing is like, we don't want to create a system where we have to have a lot of like ongoing expensive development. We want to make sure like the developers themselves are having fun doing this so that like that's its own incentive and uh, they enjoy playing it and having fun with it. And it's really just mostly to sort of like entertain us all, but in the background, like if it makes money, um, great. If it doesn't, it's like kind of whatever. And we don't worry about that. And I think if you start with that ethos, things get popular very, very quickly. Um, if you can make a bulletproof ecosystem that is like rug pull resistant and like whatever, like people resonate with that sort of thing really well. And it goes viral pretty quickly um, because everyone's having fun. That's the key. Like, so entertainment. And if you can create like some indirect sort of spiritual benefit to people, like you know, Bruce has been talking about, I think that's super interesting. It hasn't been really done effectively. Um, and I think that there's some level of ritual that is present in crypto. There's a certain level of tribalism, like ritual, meaning like you go on and every day you check, did my, did my coin value go up? Do I need to buy something today? Do I sell something today? That's a ritual. And then indirectly, like the tribalism between people, there's that piece of it. And then you add in sort of like the the 
I don't know, not the, not exactly a cult or religion, but you get the picture. There's like a, there's like a kind of spiritual angle that everyone loves about it. And you have to figure figure out what that is. Because if you look at like the Luna UST ecosystem, why do people love that? They love the theory like that UST was going to be all the world's money and shit, right? Like it was like, um, and you could, you have to have something to rally behind. Um, You have to have some mixture of ideas that people want to rally behind. And if you don't have that, it, it just simply dies over time. That's just, it, it kind of, it's just a matter of like decay over time. Initially, like everything's fun. Like people ha- have fun with it, but then what will happen is people get bored and they'll leave. Right. So you have to have that big idea that people want to keep playing. And we know like in MMOs and stuff, like people do play those kind of things lifetime. And we know in religion, people play that lifetime, right? There are some people that go to church their entire life. There's some people that go to Buddhist temples their entire life. There's people that trade stocks or trade crypto their entire life. You know, so there's definitely sort of a ritual and spiritual element to sort of like this daily interaction and how do you optimize that um, and benefit people indirectly, whether they realize they're benefiting or not, that's the trick. And I think if you nail that, there's a magic there that we think we can, uh, like we can make something really great ultimately. Anyway, that's the theory. That's the general like philosophical theory anyway. I don't know if it resonates with anybody or not. I think you also have like a bot army of like Vitalik PFPs down there, some sort. Uh, so you you have someone's attention, or your rivals. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Um, that's kind of a funny little. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> like what's going on there? I don't know. Um, I don't know why, but I attract bots for some reason. It's weird. Maybe it's because I make bots <laughs> all the time, uh, and talk about them. So it's like next thing you know, they show up. I don't know. Real quick before I uh, pop off, I just want to let you know I I sent over that document that I was talking about earlier to your Discord. I had it on a drive, um, not on Google Drive though, so I couldn't send you a link. But just want to let you know. Um, but yeah, if if that helps, cool. If not, you know, no worries. Um, good luck with uh, execution on this. It it sounds. It's almost like partly. I want, like, I think Bruce and I want to go based on our intuitions of what we've seen in crypto so far over the years and whatnot. And like what we've seen from gaming and such, I, I, it's like, I don't necessarily want to poison necessarily our initial idea with too many other ideas. So I'm a little cautious about sort of like reading a bunch of stuff right before like putting pen to paper, because there's this tendency to kind of like, I don't know, either overthink things or whatever. Um, it's like take the core ideas and just start putting them down and then, um, you know, and then, and then they can be iterated and revised a bit as, you know, like we, we throw it out there and say, Hey, look, what do you think about this? What do you think the flaws of this are? Would you play this? Um, you, there's always ways to sort of like um, use people in the community that play games and other, th- and mess with crypto and stuff to sort of like shoot holes in it and like, tell us how to make it better. Totally understand. Like uh, you know, you have it whenever or, or even if you get to it, I, I just wanted to send it over to you and, and let you know, man. I'm looking forward to following along with this. This sounds pretty fucking cool. Um, good luck. I'll, you know, be in touch. I'll follow along. I'll talk to you guys soon. Sounds good. Catch up later. Hey, Lamb, what's up? Hello, Safi. How are you this evening? Good. How does this retarded plan sound to you? I think it's fantastic. So, you know that I'm from the island of the Jeets. Yes. Jeet Island, and we are an offshoot of Asparagoid, the cult of Asparagoid. So whatever you do, we're going to agree with. 
Oh, sounds good. So you're pretty easy to convince then. You're like, you already number, know. You're like, make number go up. Um, you know, and like you'll show up and whatever. Make yeah. number go up and we're happy. I just got finished feeding alligators. I literally just fed alligators and I saw that you were in a space and I thought, hmm, what are they talking about? Here I am. Alligators. Um, where are you, like Florida or something? Louisiana? What you, where are you? I'm in Florida. And they gave us a tray of meat to throw at the alligators. And I thought, this is a lot like crypto. <laughs> yeah. You were one of the people that feed the gators at like Disney World and shit. And then like people, they come and attack the little hotel there. No, this hotel actually has a pit full of gators. And I joked with one of the handlers. I said, is this where you throw the people that can't pay their bill? So, like, yeah, they have an immediate punishment uh, right then and there. So this is a thing like it's a tourist hotel with like alligators outside. Oh, my goodness. It's a resort. It is the Gaylord Resort. But let me tell you, the alligators oh, are it's, no isn't that joke. Like gigantic hotel, like the Gaylord it's Resort. Huge. It's ridiculous. It's obscene. Yeah, I think, I, I think I've these seen into one in Texas, I think. They walk on the path. And when they say, beware of the alligators, they're not joking. Mm. They're not joking. Yeah. So, like, imagine. Uh, you had like this crypto coin of some kind, you had a token or a coin and all of a sudden you look in your wallet and you're like, oh my God, um, my number of coins went down 50% and that's a normal part of the game. Uh, would you panic? No. That's part of this. I mean, if you've had Bitcoin for over 10 years, that's your daily. I have gray hair because of Bitcoin. And then it goes Bitcoin up, just... it goes down. Yeah, the whole gas thing is insane. 15 bucks a uh, transaction. Yeah, Ethereum. Like, so to protect, <laughs> to protect your wallet from Electrum from coming and taking your coins, you have to have NFT number seven, right? Like this is the kind of gamification we're talking about. So every day in the game, you'll have opportunities to sort of like buy and yeah. sell different things. That I was just about to ask about that because yeah, I'm in Labros and we have a soul bound system for our, uh, primary like uh, Radbro NFTs. So everyone that was like V1 and Soulbound has basically like certain permissions that extend out to like uh, Discord uh, and other websites. So we're able to like log in and use Web3. So my whole thing was like, um, like the, the dynamic side of it, because I also listened to Jared a while back in regards to some logon features, login features that you guys are working uh, Terra Labs. Is Terra Labs correct? Uh, uh, TFL, you mean Terraform Labs? Yeah, Terraform Labs. Yeah, they're they're uh that they're working on basically making it so that um you you have a soulbound account so you can't really like just end up losing your your seed phrase so i thought that was a really like a unique concept because like that's basically where everything's going like you have your phone number obviously you have your email that you know most people like again like you were saying religiously hold on to like you know an email from like you know aol or aim and just keep it so and people have like you know um passports so yeah, I, I'll, I'm just trying to like envision what you're see, like saying, and I'm like trying to rotate that with everything that I've been like uh, exposed to in the last like six, seven months. A little bit, a little bit different here. A little bit different thing here is um, the way you'd want to incentivize this type of game would be on the one hand, you may get benefits from like that type of account, that type of wallet. On the other hand, you actually get benefits from like Sybil attacking. 
So if you have a dozen wallets and you want to play the game differently, you can do that too. So like uh, typically, like if you Sybil attack a blockchain, it's negative. In this instance, the difference will be the more Sybil you have, like it's fine. It's just part of the game. So if you want to have more wallets to play, if you, you know, whatever you can. If you don't, you don't have to. And then you'll have different strengths and weaknesses depending on which of, you know, which of those strategies you just decide to embark upon or whatever. I mean, I think everyone's doing that, uh, especially because a lot of stuff is, uh, what is it called? Um, if you have, oh, dang it, I, like I just got a mind freeze right now, but I basically have like three MetaMasks <laughs> and then I have like other uh, other NFT spread through it so I can get free mints. So, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like that kind of thing. Or, or like imagine you're playing like some of the old RPGs. Um, you know how some people used to have like two or three computers and they're playing simultaneously. Remember those folks? Like, you know, they'll like have a cleric and a warrior and a, you yeah, know, I did, like, I mean, I did that myself. I bought it, like, I, I would have go. myself unfollowed and I would have my macros and my KVM so I could just, you know, switch around. And then eventually I upgraded to a computer where I could have multiple, like, instances running of the same game and then eventually virtual machines. So, yeah, I, I'm on the same page. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we can have ultra widescreen monitors so you can fit up to eight or so traditional size windows. That's crazy. Yeah. Like we used to have to have individual screens for that. But yeah, I guess you're right. No, but it, imagine like, uh, so in a, in a crypto space game, the idea is like, whether you decide to be a singular hero, or whether you want to like bot the thing, it doesn't matter, because ultimately, there's both of those has different advantages, and uh, disadvantages or whatever, and you encourage any possible play is normal, right? There's no such thing as cheating or botting, because that's normal for the game that would be a way to like you design it that way from the beginning so that um you know so, so that like you don't have to sit there and worry about so-called cheaters or whatever that's there is no such thing as cheating if if there's such a thing as cheating and the game doesn't work it's because you designed it wrong it's as simple as that like there's no like it should have all of the like if you do any normal buying and selling of tokens nfts or whatever uh with any number of wallets you feel like it the end result should be a net positive to the game and um and there's a way to you'd have to balance it out so that uh, like someone who's playing with only one wallet it, they're not necessarily hindered in any major way and maybe even have certain benefits on certain time scales or something like that so there maybe might like really short term reasons why you might want to have a team of people do something and there may be a longer term reason why the team might support a specific hero like for example let's say bruce has his wallet and you're like oh we want to um you know like make bruce super powerful so he can kill the dragon then you can sort of like designate your tokens or whatever you know powers or whatever to that person and um that you that that results in sort of your faction winning right and if your faction really wants to win you might actually go and buy coins um in the amm or whatever and support your hero or whatever and then them winning will generate rewards for the entire group or something like that so you it's all a big monetary game but if you think of it from the perspective of like philosophically it's very similar to a lot of like pve and pvp role-playing games but without all the graphics and shit and and all of that then i think you start I mean, to imagine what i'm doing right now i'm addicted to like exploring other scan and that's like pretty like <laughs> text space and twitter like twitter's already pretty like text based it's like we're playing mmos right now and it's just primarily text-based. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it, dep it also depends on like which nerd you're trying to like 
peddle this to ultimately, right? Because like you want a system that's so simple that anybody can just log in and kind of like monkey around in the thing and have fun with it without having a lot of knowledge about how to play or anything like that. The, you should be able to like learn how to do it by just messing around. There's not a lot of documentation and whatnot, right, involved. That could be that could be interesting. So like where you would learn more about it is like people would produce strategies or something. And those strategies, people tweet about them, they post them online, Reddit them, whatever the hell else, right? And so with whatever change is happening that month in the game, like everyone starts talking about what what to do to win for that month or win for that week or whatever time scale you want to do, like or for the season. So you create a scheme where like large groups of people are basically like rallying together to achieve some endpoint um, within this ecosystem. And um, so whether you're individual playing or whether you're in a group or whatever, but all you're really doing is like like you want to designate your tokens to Bruce. Bruce is then going to go slay the the you know the the dark you know enemy or whatever, and um, and then your group wins because he beats the thing before everyone else or something like that. So you you just create like interesting heroes in the middle, which is kind of fun, and oh, like that cool. could be interesting because like then you could harness like YouTubers and you know so called influencers or whatever like people who are popular for whatever reason like on twitter or youtube or whatever they can have their own little team you know based on their influence and like all their people show up make wallets and then you know play the game that's you know yeah i was going to say as long as like the the easier it is to onboard the easier it is to basically get the game to blow up especially web3 cuz a lot of people are curious i've been talking hyping up web3 to my coworkers and like uh, like I actually got some, I got them to install MetaMask. I've been like, you know, kind of like just hold, hand holding them and they, they have a lot of liquid, so, but I'm also like, not going to like ruin, like, you know, personal relationships, uh, over, you know, crypto. So I'm like, yeah, well, the, like this is telling them what to do. And this is different in that, like the, 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 the barrier to entry is basically nothing. It's free. Um, so yeah, that's there's what not I said, really, really good. Yeah, so you can just sort of play around and mess around. You, there's no guarantee of making any money or anything like that. And if you want to throw money at the game because you think it like you're having so much fun with it that you want to like gain some advantages in some way or support the the hero or whatever you know it's going on, then you can do all of that. But there's no imperative that you have to. So all and then the beautiful thing about the Terra Station wallet is it's easy to download, it's easy to use. There's nothing to it. Like, you know, you can be a complete idiot and know how to use it. And you can connect directly to web dApps without having to have extensions. You don't have to go and like, you don't have to log into your home computer. You can play with it on your phone anytime. So like a key piece of ritual, like is there are two types of rituals in a sense. There's like, okay, you go to a temple or a church and, you know, you, you, you do your daily thing. Or you have like a ritual you might do on your phone. Like maybe you check your financial numbers every morning on your stock trading app or something like that, or your email every day. So the idea is like, you want to have a system that's easy to incorporate into a wide variety of people's daily ritual that, um, you know, they can log in for a few minutes, put all their you know pieces on the board, decide what they want to do, and they don't have to look at it ever again that day, right? Like you don't have to have a system that like maybe they could look again and again if they want to see what's happening on the dashboard, but they don't have to do actions every single day to play. The, the actions would be like once a day, maybe at most, or maybe like, yeah, once a day probably is a sufficient number of actions to um, like to, to fundamentally play. You don't have like you don't have to occupy people's time big time with this because like most people that have money are people that have like jobs and have income, right? They're not people that are sitting around doing nothing all day. So you want to attract the people who who actually have money. 
and they don't have time to like play around with your shit all day long they want to just like play you know like they want to have fun with it but they want to do like a limited number of actions to be able to participate in that kind of thing so i think there's different ways to design it in that in this respect you're does that make sense to you like how many times would you log into a game to yeah. play or something so, like that yeah these are great ideas and i think a lot of the issues with the sort of addictive games is that yeah the more you log in and the more you play it the more chance you have so capping it is a good idea i had some thoughts maybe something like uh have well like you need a to game pay every attention. 12 months going like a cycle game yeah yeah like seasons. and then uh you can do it once every you know you can do it once a day but it runs like twice a day or maybe four times a day every six hours but you can like play uh you know in one of these rounds for example yeah one of my theories Yura, is that like once a season whether it's a month or once every few months something major happens in the ecosystem like some destructive force comes through and wrecks a bunch of people's wallets in some way. So you have, you know, that event is coming a priori and you can adjust your, uh, like you can adjust your strategic position accordingly to what's about to happen three months from now. So the benefit is like, you have a goal you're going towards it's randomized in its in like intensity and what it affects to some extent. So we have to make that programmatic because we don't want to have like, Oh, you're cheating. Your team, you know, has a dev in the background and they built a thing and now it's like benefit. You know, you can't have that shit going on, right? You need to have it like really, really automated. But once it's running, that contract that smart contract is running, that that program is running, um, everyone can play the game on equal footing and like choose their heroes and you know, assign their tokens to whatever they want to have happen and buy certain tokens. Maybe you have like you need less of token seven and more of token three for that that event. And you decide to get more of a certain one or certain NFTs or whatever, and you can play however you feel like it. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. And, and you like sometimes, like, let's say you just don't have a lot of money, but you want to win the game. You're like, ooh, there's this dashboard and it shows that our team only needs three more people and we're going to be able to overwhelm the other guy, right? So now everyone like is tweeting, by the way, come and join the game and like play because like we can win if we have three more people. So there is like a self-perpetuating effect where like the dashboard might be something you look at daily. But the game itself is something you might actually do a transaction only like once a day. So you don't have to keep on pushing buttons and shit, but you might want to pay attention from time to time. So you can plan tomorrow's moves, right? You can plan tomorrow's group moves and you can plan tomorrow's like where you're going to put your pieces on the board. Imagine like a chess game, but like you only move once a day, right? Like, and so you would basically plan out based on what your opponents and everybody else on the board and what other events are happening. And you would next morning you'd log in and oh, like you, you know, you modify your, your position. And then that, that, that has an effect, you know, at some point down the line. So unfortunately, Bruce's connections kind of come in and go in where he is. So he's not able to stay on very much, but that's okay. Uh, but I, I think no, it guys... sounds like you're excited for it. I'm it makes me excited. So like you're, you're hyped up. I'm hyped up for it. I want to get people to log in. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, well, wh whatever it is, it's got to speak for itself. Right. Um, when it's up and functioning, then, you know, people start monkeying around with it and we see what it does. But I, I think there's a couple of pieces to it. Like there is a revenue generating engine that's not player dependent necessarily. And then there's also like some player dependent revenue that comes in. And then on top of that, there's just like positioning your pieces on the game board and doing that ha adds a lot of transactional events every day. And so theoretically, the more transactions your particular project has on a blockchain, let's say on Terra, 
like you know like the hype around it gets really much bigger and it benefits the primary chain so all the developers of tfl or whatever are going to be interested in supporting the project as well because it brings attention to the to the chain itself so i think those killer apps and things or killer games whatever they are have to be created to like create that future value um, whether it's to say luna itself or to the coins within this ecosystem and i think there'll be a like there's an indirect benefit to luna as well but you don't have to own any of that you don't have to own luna to play this necessarily and that's what's kind of cool about it right like you don't like you, this is not like a rug pull thing where it's like there's money, there's a lot of money involved that you have to pull in. Um, but I think as the network grows and people are incentivized to play, they're going to have a tendency to pay for certain things to get them ahead. Sort of like how, you know, I'm like candy crush and shit periodically, like, okay, I'm going to pay the dollar to get past this fucking level because it's irritating me. That kind of thing. You might be possibly plugging in some money from here and there as time goes on, right? Like, but otherwise, you make it really, really cheap. And you, you also want to make a game where it's like, let's say you're a latecomer. Um, so like you showed up somewhere in the middle. Like what's your role in that, right? Your role may be mostly just making friends and like joining a faction or whatever, uh, getting free tokens on the faucet and sort of building, um, building up so that the next season coming up, you can be really, really more involved. But you don't want to create a barrier to entry where like, if you're if someone doesn't have money, they have to have like, you know, 100 Ethereum or whatever bullshit to like play the game. That doesn't make any sense at all. This is the problem with like NFT communities like, OK, like now your NFTs worth 10,000 bucks. Who the fuck else is coming in after that? Like, you know, you have diminishing number of people playing the higher the price of the thing goes. And it makes no sense at all. Like, like, like this is the reason why like tokenomics in video games don't work well, um, because like the more expensive the like game is to play. Now you just exclude people from being able to play the goddamn game, right? And that doesn't make any sense, like, at all. You don't get the network effect if that happens. So you have to make a major portion of the game really, really, not only affordable, but almost free, um, so that people can just show up and start transacting. And then all the rest of it comes from the network effect and the community activity. And if, like, once you have a good token system, and this is all happening, you could build a 3D game on top of it, right? Like, there's nothing that prevents you from you know, generating an Unworld Engine 3 for creating some sort of fancy shit that everyone's been talking about, like connecting AI and having like AI NPCs and other things. You can do all that stuff, but like none of it's necessary to make the base monetary policy work. Once you have a, a, a base series of monetary policies, then you can build all sorts of stuff on top of that that people care about, right? So like the, the reason why we have to have like a dozen chains or a dozen coins here is because you want to represent every possible monetary policy there is. Deflationary, inflationary, various levels of inflationary, things that have Oracle-related you know, changes that happen to it. Maybe like if you, let's say, for example, the volume on one coin goes down too low, then automatically the price of another one like goes down or something weird like that. So like you can create all sorts of strange dynamics between them um, to encourage like not any one coin is not too quote-unquote powerful for too long. And like, there's a self-balancing effect, like of the ecosystem in a way, right? So you can't become way overpowered too quickly. Um, and so you're not like, you, the goal is not to like throw so much money into it that I can win the game if I have enough money, right? That can't be a, like, you, you can't win it through just simply throwing money at it. Otherwise it becomes dumb. It just becomes a rich person's game. 
which is sort of what the NFT games, like NFTs right now, that's sort of what it becomes to some extent. You're hoping that you buy cheap and someone else buys it more expensive and that keeps going until you can sell and dump on somebody. That kind of thing like lasts for a little while, but you don't form a system that lasts a thousand years that way, right? The way we have to be thinking about this is like, would people be still playing this a hundred years from now if it just kept on going? That's the question in my mind. Like that's the deep question to me is like, how do you make something that persists a really, really long time? And um, I think that's what we have to ask ourselves. Have you played any, do you know what roguelites are, Sophie? Uh, what is it called? Rogue roguelite games or maybe procedural death labyrinths is another name. Um, yeah, I've seen like, there's a, I think Diablo series has some procedural yeah, elements. Yeah, it's, it's like, similar. Basically, it's sort of like Diablo, like but yeah. every run is basically a blank slate or with some meta progression. So it's the yeah, idea yeah, yeah. that um, that could be fit nicely with this idea where games last, you know, however long a cycle is, like six hours or 12 hours or 24 hours, and you sort of start off with nothing. Like, uh, yeah, you could like start a dungeon with... That... Um, uh, you could pick up some NFTs, for example, that are like sort of trading cards, which you can then send to an address to get your like starting gear for that cycle or your starting tokens. And then as you do stuff in the game, that can let you get better starting gear next time if you participated. But it's basically free to get a set. I, I think in a way, like... Um whatever this is if there's going to be some sort of like um uh like map sort of thing then like to me it's got to be something that's going to fit in one scrolling page of a you know like on your phone or something like that you you don't really it, it has to be so simple that someone can just log into it for a second take a look at their position look at the overall dashboard and go, wait, where am I in reference to the other people trying to make their way to the dragon or treasure, whatever the hell it is. And you can quickly make a decision, move your pieces around, decide what that strategy is going to be for you and then move on. Right. Like you're, um, I, I'm trying not to make too much, um, like the base layer should be something that doesn't have a, like too much, uh, complexity to it. And then if people want to create these kinds of ideas on top of it, it should be very, very reasonable to do that because now you have a, a series of tokens, some of which are yield generating, some of which are um, sort of like monetary engines, some of which are like store of value, et cetera. And now you can build games on top of that if you really wanted to, right? So imagine DeFi as it is today and you think of all the different types of coins out there. Imagine that being the base layer for, for a game and you choose which game, which coin you use for your particular um, purpose within the within the game itself. So let's say it's like if you have a, a more inflationary token that creates I don't know like a magical aura for your character that like you know you know protects you against arrows or something. I'm just making some nonsense up, but you see the point. Like you can add games on top when you have interesting monetary policies in the base layer, and by having everything in one place where we create every single version of every single coin and have like an ecosystem of them, you don't then have to find like a series of DEXs and you don't have com com composability becomes very straightforward for a, a game creator. Cause now you can build right on top of this because you have people interested in the monetary effect of the game without any other shit built on top of it. Right. 
So the new game developer that shows up, they don't have to create a monetary policy. They don't have to find a, like a series of DEXs and create composability issues. And if we have it relatively immutable, where this doesn't change every five minutes, like you know, government governance bullshit every six minutes, then you have a base layer for, um, you know, creating a game. And if you needed additional coins, you just literally mint them out of thin air that have different properties that you add to the system. But you never mess with the existing coins. What I fucking hate in crypto is like you'll buy some coin, like I don't know, whatever you know, it has some inflationary policy. And, you know, you buy a certain amount because you believe, okay, like based on what I think the drop in price is going to be and what the inflation is, I'm buying a certain amount. And then people go in governance and like change the policy. Like, <laughs> like the, certain coins, like, like if that's a, a part of the system and you should be aware that, okay, governance can change something. Okay, fine. Right. I, I accept that. But if you have a series of coins, some of which have immutable properties that never change and some which can change based on programmatic randomness or whatever, then you have some idea of what you're buying and what you're acquiring for that particular part of the game. If it changes every six minutes and someone else builds some other game on top of it, how the hell is that going to work, right? So like, the properties of the tokens have to be very, very... Um, I mean, the, for, the best, for, for lack of a better term, like, term they have to be immutable. Um, once they're set in motion, they're set in motion forever. And that's that's an important feature, I think. So it's like the concept of Bitcoin, except, you know, even more immutable. Like there's once it's in motion, it can't be changed. So if we fuck up and make the token wrong or like maybe we feel like, OK, the, it needs to be adjusted. Well, you can just add a new token and you can basically fork into as many coins as necessary to make the game work. Um, and you can adjust to like, you know, people can move to those new coins, but you don't mess with existing ones. Um, I, I, I totally load that concept in crypto mm. where people fuck with the tokenomics. I'm not sure if in a, mid a purely additive thing is possible if you're trying to do like a game logic and that sort of thing. But the good thing is well, you can in the, just move in the, to the in next the sense that You can fork the whole thing. In the, sense that the, in the sense that the base layer game, you know, that people are playing, that's not, you can adjust that accordingly whenever you feel like adding tokens. But if someone else has a, a layer on top of yours, mm and you added coin number 13, and now there's 12 coins in the base layer, you know, the game can still utilize all of those different components because those won't change, and they don't have to adopt coin 13 necessarily, right? You see the difference? You want to make sure that when you add and subtract things, or mainly add things, that you don't actually break the previous system. Imagine, like, you're playing Pokemon or something like that, and, like, some new card comes in and fucks up all the other cards, like, that would be bad, right? So there comes a point after which you don't want to like change the game too much um, because it causes problems. So the monetary policy needs to be fairly straightforward. And then there may be benefits afterwards. The meta game would be like, okay, like this season, it's, it's more important to have token three, seven, and nine. And, um, you know, and NFT number seven, eight, and five, or whatever, like, you know, there are certain benefits to certain ones, depending on what your goal is and which team you're on. And um, that would be something that could change, but not so much the base tokenomics of the coin itself. The utility of the coin could change arbitrarily, right? That doesn't matter. Yeah, it'd be cool if it was somehow possible to make a resource system or whatever, the base layer of like a world and then say if someone wanted to come along they could set up an enterprise of some kind like and the metaphor could be like i don't know like a cobbler or something so you get this resource you do some work to convert into this other resource 
and that somehow fits neatly on top of the base game. Yeah, exactly. Like if you burn token seven and token nine, you'll get more of token one. And using that, you can buy like this particular NFT this month. And if you don't have that particular one, you can't. And if you don't acquire that one, you can't slay the dragon. Something like that, right? This sequence of crafting in a sense that enters into the game could be really easy to put into it. Mm. But, but you want to make this simple enough to where it's like one scroller screen and you know the options that you have available to you. Um, doesn't take a rocket scientist to sort this out because, like, you you want to you want to make it dumb enough to where it's like you don't have to be a mega genius. Like, for example, chess. Like, you know, there's certain pieces, or even checkers or something like that. The game of Go is even simpler. Like, the game rules can be very very simple while having very complex strategy involved. Yeah. Um, depending on the. I think yeah. with this, a nice way would be to. Um like uh condense it down into a few resources and make like a card game out of it. And then instead of dealing with pure um like tokens, you have like uh bundles of tokens and actions, like say uh, you know, this card lets you swap this resource with that resource and spend you know, this other resource, you know, to do X damage or some shit like that. Um, and that could be a card, and then you could give that to people and let them play them. So rather than um, like a, a total free for all, you have like a few set it of could actions. Be, it could be pretty. It could be pretty simple. Like it just does a wallet check, and if you have these three coins, then you can claim that NFT for that by just showing up. You, you don't have to actually pay for it necessarily. Your the presence of certain features in yeah, your yeah, wallet. Absolutely qualify you yeah. to lock unlock a door uh, yeah that's right? like a sort of you show up to play and you start the new game and you get this sort of stuff and you get to choose what to do um right like for example you may have certain choices every morning like you log into your thing you're like oh look um you know based on the coins i have i can pick nft one or seven and i can just push a button right there on the thing and claim them because that's it's already scanned my wallet it understands that like Okay, based on what I have in my wallet, I qualify for these things. And maybe I built up my wallet to qualify for those things on that day or whatever. And then you'd go, okay, I want NFT number seven because that's the one that's going to benefit me for whatever reason. And you, you, can, you can claim that because you have certain tokens in your wallet. And you, that's all you have to do. And the next thing you know, the next day comes along. And um, you, know, you have some metagame where like, you're planning out why you have certain tokens and certain NFTs in your wallet. And again, you don't have to have... like cards or anything related to this necessarily you just there has to be a some place on the screen where it it clarifies like what's the point of this particular thing like what benefits are you getting from converting your coins to this nft or whatever like there's a so i think the idea is like you know you could create sort of mechanisms where to acquire certain pieces on the game board you could burn some of the coins so you can actually create maybe a net like the net effect is like the total number of coins in the system are staying stable. The inflation rate and deflation rate sort of balance themselves out. So depending on what you're incentivizing at what point, it balances out. You can't have a purely deflationary system because at some level, what will happen is, is that the coins will just simply keep rising in value and then you're going to exclude the new users from playing. So it has to be an economic system that incentivizes the new user for sure. You know, so it can't be purely deflationary. Um, at least not all of the coins in the system should be deflationary. There may be some that you acquire that we want to have as the like store of value coin that does in fact have deflationary properties. 
that maybe ha- is deflationary not just because it like of players in the system, but like I mentioned before, there's a bot trading algorithm in the background trading other coins and generating deflationary sort of properties for that particular coin. And you could use that as part of the game, or you don't have to. Um, it depends on like what your goal is. Maybe like the the prize rewards at the end of the season are paid out in the deflationary coin or something like that, but you don't need to own that coin to play. You know, something like that could be done, right? So that's every piece of it is to incentivize the user to like have fun playing the thing. Um, but you like just simply um, waiting for like other people's money to show up to fuel the system is fraught with danger, I think. And if you look at like the current like Cosmos ecosystem and the validator networks, you find that the validators are successful when people are coming to pay for the chain and like number go up, they want the token price to rise. And then when the token price falls, the validators are like, shit, we're not making any money. That doesn't work. So um, the revenue has to come from somewhere. Someone's either buying a product from you or B, in the background, the system is generating bot trading revenue from other chains or some other thing. And that's, you know, that's where some of the, the, the cash flow is coming from, is my theory. Like, it's, you have to have a cash flow engine of some sort that's extracting money from somewhere else in the world and bring it into the system. And a person doesn't have to know how to do all that shit, right? Like, they don't have to go to Binance and run a bot trading algorithm. Like, we would create those kinds of things using IBC-based tokens and such. Like, Sommelier is a good example. Sasam, the SOMM token generates value based on like background trading of Ethereum and yield comes into the coin based on the background trading. And we could basically incorporate SOMM via IBC, have that as one of the, you know, components that's being traded and we can trade some versus like, I don't know, Adam or something. And uh, the yield that comes from the grid bot trading of buying and selling that over and over again that can generate um, money to sort of fuel the liquidity pools within the system. So like you don't have to find liquidity providers. The bots are your liquidity providers, which is, which is very different than what you see out there now in most of these ecosystems. So like there's, there's a way to sort of like extract that volatility and bring that into the end user's hands without the end user having to know how to do any of that shit. Right? Like that's the key. Like it has to be so dumb that I just like, oh, okay, tokenomics sounds good. I want to buy this thing or I want to play this game. But you don't have to know how to do all that stuff to make it work. That's key. And I think what's big now is like these IBC based. So like the Interchain Security, Interchain Accounts, Terra Feather, Enterprise, all of these things have emerged to make what I'm talking about possible with a relatively sort of low effort compared to before. Um, we have to really just discuss like the actual plan with the developers and see like, wait, how do you, how do you implement this? But it was, this is would have been much harder to do. Like, let's say two years ago, for example. And I think it's mm, like the time is right for what I've been thinking of. Uh, it was almost there before Terra fucking crashed. Like I was really, really excited for like Nebula protocol and a few other things that essentially created like bot trading algorithms in the background and brought that value back to a token. And that was looking super interesting. And all of that got blown away because of the UST crash, of course. Um, but this doesn't require UST to make it work. So I don't really care if there's a stable coin or not. That's neither here nor there. All I need is volatility to make it work. One coin needs to be volatile against another coin. And then we have a revenue generator. And from there, like 
you know, cash flow will come in. People will be interested. Like when you create a really, really sort of fair um, system, people tend to buy the coin. Like they, you know, like they, they just sort of ape into these things. If you create a system that's not a security, like, and that's the other thing too, is like, if bots are the primary driver of the owner of the, like bots actually run the system, then you don't really have a security because it's truly a DAO, like a decentralized automated organization or, sort, or sorts, right? And I think that's an interesting thing. So that you don't have, like you create a system that's not a security by its very nature, right? Because there's no human at the other end of it, which is kind of cool too. So like autonomous immutable would be very, very nice. Like I, if, I, if that existed today, I'd go buy it now, right? Like, but that doesn't exist. So we need to build it, I think. And I would buy it and I would sell it higher. Exactly. And if you sell it higher, by the way, then your other coins, you know, you might lose your shield and then someone can steal your, some of your other coins. Right. So like, there's this like, there's a yin and yang to every maneuver that you would make in this. So you, you, you would make, you'd have to choose your time horizon essentially. Uh, Cause this isn't going to move with like the rest of the market. It, it just won't matter what the rest of the market's doing. That's another important feature of this is like to create price, um, like non-correlation with the rest of the crypto market. How do you do that? You have to create an ecosystem is, with nothing to do with the rest of crypto. It's so valuable. That's so valuable if you can do that. Yeah, right. Because like if you have something moving at a, a coins that are moving in a different direction than the rest of crypto, like Bitcoin could be up and this one's down and they're going in different directions. And so now you can now you have the the merits of a trading system at that point. And your yeah, correlation that's what happens like, with, is part of the big problem. That's what happens with meme coins. But the problem is that it only happens temporarily for that one coin. And then somebody rotates for another to start the game over. The game doesn't keep starting over. And it is a game. Like poo coining is, is definitely, meme coining is definitely a game. Did I get in early enough? Did I sell high enough? Do I buy back in on this dip or do I wait to dip more? It's a game of timing and rhythm, but it doesn't restart except with another another meme coin. And the same thing yes. goes with like a lot of the NFT launches. There are some that are true cultural, have real cultural moments. I think Board Ape really had a cultural moment, uh, but because it became a sign of prestige and money and celebrities had it and exclusivity and, and, and definitely Malay's having a moment. But, but other NFTs are a competition, man. They're a competition yeah, and the great. game ends. Think of it this way. The original sort of shock and awe sort of like tokenomics change that's scheduled was the happening, right, for Bitcoin. So this is not new. Why did they do, like, why did Satoshi go with a happening versus a, like, a smoother, gradual, gradual yeah. thing? Is because the goal is to have, like, a planned event that makes everyone modify their game theory every so often. And the four-year cycle is very similar to sort of like general human economic cycles. Um, now, it's not exactly four years. Like it sort of turned out that way. It was never like guaranteed to be a four-year cycle or whatever. And the cycle is probably getting a little faster lately because of processing speeds. But imagine that. But programmatically, we create those kind of shocks every three months or every year or whatever, however long we think is the appropriate time. And maybe there are shocks that happen every three months, once every year, once every four years, whatever. And that gins up a lot of drama, right? Like people are like planning for that event and that's part of the game. And I think the seasonality um, makes certain coins more useful depending on which season you happen to be in. And so you could create all sorts of interesting, like um, not story, but like you, you can create a 
vibrancy of people making decisions based on these various things that are about to happen. So like miners for Bitcoin, for example, like, well, you know, I need to be careful because I need to make sure that I can, um, you know, get the fastest miner this year because by next year, the mining devices I have now are going to be obsolete. Same concept. If you knew by next year, this NFT is not going to be useful for your, your wallet in terms of optimizing its like game structure then you might decide to get something else, right? Trade this for that or whatever. And someone else yeah, might have so a yeah. shorter time frame. Like someone else might have a shorter time horizon. They're like, oh, I'm only playing. I, I have a goal for three months. I need your NFT. You have a long time frame here. Take mine and you can trade the two or something weird like that, right? Yeah, it's at the point where like, I don't know if it's time to drill down and figure out like really like what each individual has as, as like an entity in the game because or in in the blockchain or whatever because right now it's kind of loosey-goosey i can't tell if we're talking about empires or if we're talking about like like a player avatar basically human doing taking actions that mimic what a human might do in, in a particular world or environment like it's 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 really unclear and kind of nebulous and those are the points gonna, that would help it's gonna you be do. both humans and bots because at the end of the day there's nothing okay. preventing a bot from being programmable to do a lot of these. No, okay. No, I mean, I mean so like the player, agent, the player agent in the game, like in the game, Pac-Man, you're Pac-Man, right? And you can do right, the things right, that right. Pac-Man sure. can do, right? And that's, that's kind of what I mean. Like, so, so are you pretty much set on representing each wallet as like a person? And then they can do person, things that persons can do in that world. Is that the basic metaphor? Pretty much it. Yeah. Like depending on which coins you own in that wallet that month or that day, or whatever NFTs, that's your game pieces on the board, essentially. Um, you know, like, and that's all you have to have. There isn't, a, and if people want to use bots to do the same thing, they can do so. It's not a big deal. So you could have wallets run by bots if that's what you think you can. If you have a, you know how to create something like that, well, you can do it that way, right? And you can optimize for certain conditions. And I don't know if you remember how compelling Oregon Trail was back in the day, but uh, yeah, one of the, one of the features that sort of um, presages, I don't know how to say presage, presages, the kind of presages, what could be possible is if you were on like one floppy disk and you died, you could leave a gravestone with like a an rest in peace, like a, a saying to yourself on it, an epitaph. And then if another player came by and was trying to get to the end, they could pass by and read your gravestone. And that was, to me was mind blowing in like 1985, right? But you had to be on the same disc. But, you know, so the, the actions that people take, depending on how things are represented, could have a, a lasting effect on the landscape and become part of a, like a lore of what happened. Because these are real people doing things that are slightly unpredictable to whatever AI is running it as well and to each other. And that that's the type of thing that can make it compelling. Yeah. And it like, doesn't, doesn't really happen in places like World of Warcraft because everybody's playing the same campaign and yeah. they have multiple instances and whatever. You don't have like a fireball puts a scorch on the mountain and it stays there persistently. Yeah, and it, like you what know? you're describing, which is like kind of creating kind of a, some kind of like historical reference from it um, where, you know, like, you know, not like leaderboards, but something similar. But um, those things could be created by other developers anytime too, which would be kind of, you know, and people will quickly build those type of things if it becomes fun. You know, you know how you know that people care about your game is people are building that shit. If they're not, your game is useless and you need to start over, <laughs> like, you know, like right. the right. blockchain happens automatically, right? 
Right. But the, the number one feature of blockchain is like persistence. You know what I mean? So that's the, having a memory of, of all the things that have happened and, and then drawing upon that and somehow using that um, to make things richer is that's like the, the primary thing a blockchain could add to the gaming world, aside from proof of ownership and selling between people. As far as the game experience itself, it, it, it's leaving a mark because you have that record and it's immutable or whatever. So have, that's something that hasn't really happened yet in a lot yeah. of multiplayer games. A fun thing could be like, imagine if um, someone created a, um, like a, you know, GPT controlled bot of some kind, you know, or something like that. And they program right, right. something and people are like, Ooh, that's a bot. Like, let's go after it. Right. And then you have enough yeah. mechanics in the game where like you and I could team up and um or a group of other people using certain tactics that is not so easy to sort of like programmatically defend yourself against that if a group of people were to decide to attack a particular entity on that system they could and that would be really fun right because like then it's not like just because you have more computational power or something like that doesn't mean you automatically win um it, it like coalition building is a key piece to to a game like this right like it's you're not you're incentivized to sort of trade between the various coins and nfts or whatever you're not incentivized to hold them forever necessarily so that's i think an important piece of it and maybe there are certain coins in the ecosystem like i said that are store of value that you know that are getting revenue from somewhere maybe there's a reason why you might want to own that but the rest of the coins should be things that you want to really shuffle around the board to really um modify like your the makeup of your wallet like what's in your wallet can be seen by everybody else and then they can say "Ooh, grin's doing this this and this i'm gonna go and get that that and that because it looks like he wants to attack me or he wants to attack my team or something like that right and the dashboards will you know the idea would be like you have a simple dashboard that shows like which team is becoming more powerful in particular like you know forces or whatever i, like, guess, it, you know, I guess it depends i guess it depends because like i mean you could do something like secret network or whatever where where some some data of choice is actually only able to be seen by the blockchain and the player, uh, or is only really able to be seen by the player itself, and then some stuff is revealed, and it all depends on what kind of game you're building. Because if you give everybody, if everybody has total information about everybody else's wallets, that might not be enough to be fun either. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to like the game would have to be designed um, for either open, like on Terra, or like if you built it on secret and truly like you couldn't know what other people's hands are, it's like a poker type of th situation where the hand is not revealed until you play it. Right. That's a different type of idea. Um, and, you know, part of it is like having some things like the happening, for example, where they're sort of expected to arrive. And so everyone in the community has to game around that expectation. That's cool. Right. And then the other thing that's kind of cool is an Oracle based event, which is like, you know, basically a way to randomize an event and you bring in a event that happens that nobody can expect for sure you know how like in you know, it's sort of like how in macroeconomics like you know the federal reserve changes of rate or something right this this council of people is talking about it and then they eventually decide oh we're going to raise rates 0.25 percent or whatever that's something that everyone talks about and rallies around and tries to figure out what they're going to do and there's a game theory behind that but it's not like certain exactly what they're going to do that year that month or that quarter or whatever right so th right. that's kind of a so, so you have some things that are predictable and like for example every year people have to pay their taxes that's a predictable event whereas other things that are unpredictable and then you have like total black swans and white swans 
you know, like highly unpredictable, um, like nobody could have predicted it was going to happen or um, things that are predictable, but high in magnitude, like a white swan type of thing. So those kinds of things could make it really fun. Um, so you have to you have to blend in some randomness. Otherwise, what happens is there's always like an optimal wallet, right? Like if I, there's no chance that like an ice dragon can attack and I'm only optimizing for the fire dragon because that's on the schedule. Then the problem is like I don't have any plan for or strategy that involves anything except what I can see directly in front of me. And so you want to make mm -hmm. it possible that it doesn't matter if someone can see your wallet. They can't guarantee to win that day because there may be changes in the in the the like like depending on like the weather that day they may have a hard time attacking you for example right even though they had planned to do it tomorrow it's not possible because something in the environment is different things like that right and some, and some some of that could be entirely random and some of that could be it could take real world world oracles but interpret them in a different way so like you could tie yeah you could tie yeah. something to the game to like um temperatures in california or um, right. stock, so like the stock market or it's like not right. fully random but it's like semi it's somewhat predictable but you have to follow some data points to play the game right like you can also, right. the only uh, problem is go ahead. you can also take the uh, council idea and you can have different coins or different tokens act as governance tokens at different times so you can say, you know, now in this round, or, or you get to choose this rule or whatever. So yeah, yeah, to me, it's almost like councils would develop sort of de facto, like they 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 would just, or like they would just emerge. It's an like people grouping up is like an emergent property of the system, not necessarily something you have to have. Like you know, oh by the way, you twelve people are going to be the council of twelve or some shit. Like it, it's no, no, no. I mean, I mean, you somehow. can have a, you can have that in emerge out of turning certain resources into governance tokens that let people do props and etc. You know, the standard sort of thing. Basically, transforming have... what's done on chains into a game as a, you know, some kind of gameplay mechanism. Yeah, I feel, I feel like this idea of where like each chain has like a hero of some kind that you can like everyone on that team can boost that hero somehow that has a kind of cool effect because then you can you can then like mobilize existing like YouTube communities or whoever else like that has a lot of friends and followers and all they have to do is download a wallet you like you know get some free testnet tokens and start playing uh, you know for free tokens and start playing the thing and like they can you know, just simply them showing up augments their hero somehow, right? Like you don't have to have money involved. You just have to have attention. One, one thing that I can't really figure out is what the minimum viable product is. And then the second, the second challenge is how to make it extensible so that it can scale in, in different ways and become that much more interesting and rich and complex over time with more flywheels and things like that. So that's the design challenge. Yeah. And this was the, one of the things too, like just using enterprise money, you know, where you'd make like just a CW20 token or whatever. Um, that is less interesting to me than Feather, which allows you to create an entire side chain for each of the coins. Because then like, you know, the, the extensibility of the scalability is dramatically higher. Um, and also it benefits the baseline ecosystem, which is Terra. Terra. So like basically you're benefiting all lunatics by having the game exist. So now all of a sudden, like 
you have an existing player base, which is pre-existing token holders of Luna, for example. Um, and you also get the benefit of like the developers of that blockchain are interested in supporting your project too, because you know if you're bringing value to the system. So I, I think Feather to me is like, I need to speak to Will and some other people about like wh how far away that is. But my instincts are that that's the thing I've been waiting for, but I don't know. We'll see. So will you be able to run Enterprise DAO on a Feather chain and let people make DAOs on a custom Feather chain? That I'm not sure. I don't know if Enterprise is going to allow you to have like your tokens be fungible between chains. Um, I so I guess it would work. Like Ryan said that he was able to move the Roar token to like even Juno and stuff. So like yeah. almost assuredly, it's going to go between feather chains. I think from what I understand of how Cosmos chains work, yeah, it's just another chain. And if Enterprise DAO is running on chain A, if if the feather chains are compatible with the code, you should be able to deploy it on chain B or. Imagine though that, like, let's say Lion Dow wants to play this game, right? And like, uh, the maybe Lion Dow creates a hero account, right? Like on one of the chains on the game. Then now all of a sudden, like, you know, the Dow is now a player in a sense. Um, that could be interesting, right? So then you get the benefits of both Enterprise and Feather simultaneously. That could be cool. I don't know. Because there's just a lot of there's a lot of useful tooling that's already being built, right? Like being able to play with that existing tooling will really keep development costs low, and um, and it also like when we are doing all this stuff, we might have features where like, hey, we need to be able to do this, and we can tell TFL, by the way, can you make this? And they're like, sure, why not, right? Because like that's the benefit of having them in the background because like they're powerful, you know, credible coders that can like, you know. They can tell you if it can be done, if it can't be done, and they can implement it quite quickly if it's useful. Like Vlad and some of these other guys are quite sharp, right? Like they'll they can punch out code in like no time. Like Will, Will Chen, people like that. I still don't have a lot of feeling for. So I, if I understand, the Feather Chain can use the existing Luna validator set, right? That's the, the idea. You can launch exactly. a chain. Exactly. But you but but then there has to be something in it for the validators. So are they going to be able to vote for or against doing that? Like do you have to get a Luna governance to, to agree to no. validate you or do you I just get free validation? It's permissionless and the validation services like there is a cost to that. And I think it's some proportion of the transactions that happen on that chain go to those validators. So right, there is that a, could be those validations could be in your useless tokens. So I think the are you going to have to are are people with feather chains going to have to buy Luna somehow to fuel this? Um, um, yeah, that's where the trick comes in. I think um, is yeah, what is the actual like incentive for the yeah, the validator network? Um, I'm not sure all the answers to that at this moment. I'd have to look at the feather right. documents again. Right, because otherwise you could have a circumstance where like. A bot spins up, you know, hundreds or thousands of crappy feather chains with their own tokens, and just um, like a denial of service attacks the the validator set by running all kinds of bogus transactions. If there's not Luna required to, to do these things, then there's nothing to compensate the validators with that would have any value. So you, there's got to be some kind of gate. Yeah, and maybe Luna becomes that gate if you go that route. 
So I don't, I don't know exactly, but right. yeah. that's, that's the last use case where, where Luna has any value, quite frankly, is if, if there are chains that want to launch on Feather and if they have to have Luna in order to do that, that's based, that's the only thing left for Luna at this point is that you need it to, to make these Feather chains work and other and new and innovative protocols are relying on Feather to launch. But we've had a lot of new and innovative protocols coming up on Cosmos chains that are, that are not from Feather. And so I'm just wondering whether the, mar whether the market really needs this or not. I'm trying to wait and see yeah, because we have so little the, detail. All the still. Cosmos chains available, remember, like the Luna chain right now, is the most useful of them even at this moment like that's the funny thing like of all the chains out there at the moment like which of them actually have like proper oracle services pretty much luna is the only one so like juno is sort of like this um attempt to to get there and you know who knows though they're still working on things or whatever but um i i think there's still a value proposition for terra compared to a lot of other like if you build a brand new app chain today and you don't have tfl's money like you know, how are you going to pay for Oracle services and all these other components? So I think there is a, I don't know. And then not only that, but Luna's validator network now on Terra is one of the more decentralized of all of the systems as well. So because of the crash and the, the change in the validator network, um, you wound up with like a pretty good, a, a much better decentralization of both token distribution and validator distribution. Not that dissimilar to like, I think Omniflex is also somewhat decentralized as well it's like these are the two highest most decentralized of the chain so I, I don't think it's a bad place to build like so long as like you're pretty sure that um it's a network that can um support what we're trying to do because like the price of luna doesn't necessarily matter to make what i'm doing work um you know in its own right if if luna goes up in value as a result i'm all for it i'm fine with that but it's not a necessity i don't think um but it, it also no, helps it's, a necessity. it's a necessity for tfl to stay in operation and continue developing yes right yeah of course you want you want luna's value to go up for sure yep so yeah I, yeah exactly and you know if you have like uh well the other thing is like the negative might be like okay uh, how are you getting money to to luna and the tfls i mean i'm sorry to get to terra blockchain now how are you getting money there? And right now, the most obvious way to go is probably Atom. Um, and you basically have an Atom wallet and then you use like TFM and like go to Terra that way because you can't find Luna anywhere in the US right now, I think, um, or not so easily. So like that that reduces the number of possible users. But anyway, yeah, we'd, ha we'd have to like sort out that. But you know, the good thing is because uh, there's Atom and Luna, you at least have two coins already that you can play with from the perspective of like various yield generation strategies and things like that too. So it's, um, I think it's just simply a matter of building something cool that people want to play with on there and more people will throw money at it. And, um, long-term that's what benefits Terra if it works right. If, if people don't show up, well then no blockchains safe necessarily, especially in proof of stake, like you said, cause someone has to run those validators and they don't want to do it for free. Right, that's exactly it. I, so I, I don't think it. I don't think it's going to be free, but I don't yet know to what degree it's not going to be free. Because if the idea of Feather is that even people who don't have such deep pockets can start developing and make innovative like blockchain stuff, but then you say, oh, but you have to hold a million dollars worth of Luna in order to do it. That doesn't seem to match the whole, you know, proposition of it. 
but because Doquan is in Montenegro and because um, TFL is a little bit opaque or holding back some information about this stuff because wallets of, of associated with TFL are moving all kinds of money around. Like it, I'm not sure like how steady things are right now for them. I really don't know. It doesn't instill confidence. Yeah, we have to basically like, you know, sit down with TFL for a little bit and like talk about the viability and what the the token economics and what the expenses would actually run for for a project to run on Feather. I think these are all important questions, obviously. And when you when you do something like a game, like you don't want to be signing transactions every like two seconds. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how many decisions a person would make in a day or how long like a play session would be would they run out of activities after playing for 10 minutes a day I, I or a few minutes here and there i, I don't think, know but like i was thinking along the lines of like maybe like you make one major move a day you don't have like you make an interesting move you tweet about it or something everyone reads that and they're like oh you know i didn't know that today is the day of the winter solstice and we have to do x y and z you know so you create like a reason to engage online once a day um, once to engage in the move and another time to talk about it, right? I think those two things are sort of like the ritual, so to speak. Um, I don't think we have to make it so it's so complicated. You have to sit play all day or something like that. That's just weird. Um, by the way, isn't uh, Alliance have something to do with uh, incentivizing cross-chain validators or something? So not really cross-chain validators, but it's about bringing liquidity from one place to another place and, and incentivizing that so that there's a richer like economy, which is which is different from like any kind of like a security standpoint. So basically on chain on chain B, I'm starting with chain B because that's where the, the liquidity is going to go to. So on chain B, um, they can create an incentive pool um, that will over time release like another token uh at basically like in staking so then chain a those whatever the tokens are from chain a or from a protocol on chain b a different protocol but anyway so tokens are brought over to chain b and they go to the alliance module for that token for that deal for that specific period of time and there's a certain amount of incentives that will release at a certain rate and then in and in, in exchange for that um, chain B will get some sort of percentage of tokens that are brought over as well. And so it basically lets you do like a limited time staking for any kind of token on any so, kind of chain. So it's like for users rather than validators. Right. It's for users to move their liquidity. So I, I have a new chain and I know that there is some liquidity in Luna because and because it's one of the still one of the higher com- liquidity higher market cap um, Cosmos chains or whatever. And so I want people to bring their staked Luna, their liquid staked Luna over to me, to my chain. So there's more dollars on chain, more users using my chain, interacting with my chain. And it works like a marketing type thing. So they can see what I've got and maybe get interested in it. And then they don't have much risk except for Luna price risk because they're already like liquid staked or whatever. And they can they can bring their tokens over and get a sampling of my stuff and then in exchange i get some of their yield and but you can set up other kinds of incentives too like if you wanted to if if there was a new protocol launching on a chain and that protocol had a token and you wanted to incentivize people to lp like the new token plus luna or whatever 
then you could the alliance module can create an incentive to release to them for people for creating that LP, kind of like how Astroport can have a dual incentive or a special incentive for limited time for LP pools, but that's not done instead of, instead of being done at the protocol level, it's being done at the chain level. Um, so we've yet to be seen like how people can use this creatively, create, uh, creatively to like incentivize economies on their chains or to, to people bring liquidity over. Um, but but basically it, it's like an LP pool incentive that can be set up like Astro incentives because you've got Bone, Luna and USDT and they're going to give you extra yield for a period of time for having that LP and staking it, except that it's being done at the chain level, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's more flexibility if we have like a dozen actual chains versus mm-hmm. uh, versus just like a CW20 token like Enterprise does. Um, you, you have like more properties you can adjust. Um, like if you want to have dynamic properties that are programmatically created, they can sort of, it, it's a bit more flexible from that perspective. But um, it might be more expensive because now you have to pay validators for this, right? And so it really depends on how cheap uh, how cheap spinning up a feather chain actually is. But you could like you could have missions to say like, okay, if you have some some sort of token from your game chain, you could try to negotiate uh, an alliance with a different um, chain and say we have a mission to to use your your whatever over here on Kujira and then and then they go to Kujira and they do something over there and they get a reward from that and then they bring that back over to the game chain to finish a quest or something like that sort of stuff is possible yeah yeah for sure like where where like there's another meta game where people on other blockchains are now wanting to play this game somehow and attract your users attention or whatever because now that you've grabbed the attention it's like wait how can we you know, how can we attract people to do interesting things on our chain and we can airdrop them, you know, their little, you know, video game tokens or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a right. lot of interesting uh, dynamics that could play out on it. Yeah. Did you ever play with XYZ? Mm, I think I understood it, but I don't, I never played it. It's like a All right, so puzzle you, game, right? No, it wasn't really a puzzle game. So when it launched, the idea was that you would represent a, like a virtual space with coordinates X, Y, and Z. And those those coordinates of X, Y, and Z could be owned by individual people, kind of like an address in like a virtual space. And it could be wrapped in a different metaphor depending on the application. So the first application was kind of like an outer space resource game um, where you started with like a ship and you could try to, you could send the ship to a task. You could do this like uh, each task took like three days to complete. And so you could, if you had more XYZ NFTs, then you had more like ships or places in space that you could perform actions on. So really you owned the place in space and in that place in space, you could try to discover a planet. If you have a planet, you could try to discover resources there. And the resources were like these little poo coins. They were like resources like rock, stone, uh, water, ice, and whatever. And then uh, you would you would mine those planets, get resources, and there was some randomness in your level of success. So you one day you might be like, you found eight ice tokens, and some planets had multiple resources, and some didn't. And then you could send your ships out to um, to other to go to other regions of space and try to discover stuff or whatever. But you, um, so the and there was a really long tweet that 
Do Kwan made when this launched about, you know, the metaphor for the metaverse and saying like you have these, let's say you have these XYZ coordinates. Um, what would be a more valuable real estate maybe towards the center, like zero 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 and and then like if there's an important metaverse shop, like you maybe you'd want to dress proximal to that. And but it, he had a really interesting tweet about this where he was r- really prosaic. You created but, like a but, um, like a scarcity from that sort of is that you're saying? Yeah, scared. Yeah, right. Like you know, because would would stuff towards the center be more desirable than stuff on the outer edges, or would certain types of um, metaverse businesses and things sort of flock together? And then, so so X Y Z kept running, but the team was kind of like anonymous, and and I don't know how much resources they really had, and um, I I bought into a number of them just for fun, and um, boy, did it really rack up transactions for me on, on Terra because everything I did was a blockchain transaction. And then those all have to go to my tax software and I've got a nightmare trying to pick through rock and gold and ice transactions and crap. I just ended up tr- manually like deleting a bunch of them or when I was doing export or I think I think some of the tax software didn't even recognize them. But um, it depends on what you do. Anyway, it was a nightmare because all these blockchain transactions and the government consider these things buys and sells and property and stuff. So kind of the fewer transactions you do, the better. Otherwise, you have an absolute nightmare with with the, the tax implications of well, selling the, virtual property. The key there is you make sure that like you don't imply any value to these things. So that way, like if people decide to buy and sell them like on eBay or whatever, that's their business. But like most of the coins should not have necessarily like any kind of intrinsic anything. So there's no tax implications at all in theory. Anything to see, but I don't think the government sees it that way. Because the government sees it as a virtual asset that has worth, at least in the United States, right? And it doesn't matter that the reading of the law right now. It doesn't really matter. Well, but the difference that you is intend for it to have value. There's going to be nobody to actually track down. There's not going to be like, <laughs> you know, what I mean, there's like, there's no like founders or anything that's going to be like doing anything. No, I'm not talking about founders tracking down, but individuals. Like you come up and the government says, "I see you traded log 980 times," and I know that log had a market value of of 0.044 cents and so you where what do you do when you traded log for diamond dust then that's a taxable event because you've gone from one virtual asset to another virtual asset and so those that's where these the nightmares kind of come unless you just turn a blind eye to it and ignore it um but i've yeah, experienced a bit of that I'm this tax season with eighty five thousand. <laughs> i'm thinking of a ladder i've had eight <laughs> I've had like 85,000 transactions and I'm trying to somehow stop telling me that I have $7 million. So I don't have $7 million. My tax then, software thinks I, I do. Nathaniel is trying to say something. Nathaniel, what's up? You there? Mm, I don't know if he's there or not. But anyway, XYZ was a lot like what you were describing because there were multiple players. They're all in the same space. They hadn't gotten to a point of interacting with each other. It was kind of turn-based and time-based actions where you're making a decision every so often. Um, and eventually there was going to be some competition. I stopped playing it by the time or stopped doing it kind of by the time around the, the Luna crash, of course. And I think they did a little bit more with it at that time, but it was really the, the dream I thought was that this, nothing would be more fun than having like 18, 19 different resource poo coins that all had different values and you actually could trade them for other crypto assets and stuff. And if people really enjoyed playing the game, it, it would have made something a little bit like what you're describing. Um, but it was still really clunky and never got very far. Yeah, I think the the, the first series of um, the first series of um, like chains essentially have to have really, really simple um, 
like tokenomics and setup. And a lot of the game stuff has to be built right on top of it, I think. And that prevents you from getting mired in complexity because you have to like build it in layers. Otherwise, if you break one little piece of the tokenomics or one little piece of the game theory, nothing works, right? So like you really have to start from really, really simple and then layer it. Anyway, um, guys, I'm going to jump. I've got to make some dinner and stuff and sort things out over here. But um, before you do, I, I want to scare everybody real quick. I want to scare everybody. Okay, my my wife really <laughs> has very little idea of what's going on with AI right now, and um, people around her, like at church, whenever, really have very little idea of what's going on with AI right now. But we, I guess, she has a like a family friend that she grew up with. Um, the the parent um, got a phone call with an AI like deep fake voice of her daughter. And said, my, your daughter, I'm saying, hi, mom, mom, help. I need help. I need money right now. The police have me. I need money right now. And then there's a voice of a police officer. And the, the, according to my wife, who told me this tonight, the, the mother said it was her daughter's voice. And so that's what we sort of predicted. And Steffi, you predicted a new level of crime and fraud coming. She said, the mom said, what's my safe word? And daughter's like, I don't have time for that. And then, uh, the. She said they called the police station and the sheriff said they've been getting hundreds of calls about this happening and that um, that if people do go to the location, then they get beat up and, you know, stolen their money stolen. Yeah, that's probably no good. Yeah, like reality breaks quite quickly. It's going to be quite the next year is going to be quite a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that, I, I hadn't heard of that actually happening yet. So I don't know if that's a new development or if I'm behind the times. No, it's like it's. It's the time for it, basically. Yep. Enjoy your dinner, if you can believe it exists. Ciao. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch up. Yara, did you have anything? Or uh, I was going to no, sign off here for a bit. Can you hear me? Hello. Uh, just saying goodbye. Oh, cool. All right. We'll catch up later, guys. All yeah. right. See you later. Bye. Peace. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was a Chepe space, 12 chains to play with, or Chepe saving the internet. Recorded on Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Chirping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly. They just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower. Blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny community uprise. There's no 
more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side of the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, Yam, Beto, and Bruce. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, the shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might, it might cost, cost us a lot, lot more, more than, than what can what be gained game. by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Yeah.